Now first story is unfortunately a very sad one as WWE Superstar Virgil passes away. Another sad news to report is former Superstar Virgil aka Mike Jones has passed away at the age of only 61. According to Slam Wrestling, referee Mark Charles III posted the following news on Facebook. My dear friends, it is with great sorrow that I bring news from the Jones family of the passing of our beloved Michael Jones, whom we know and loved as Virgil, Vincent, Soul Train Jones and more. Virgil passed peacefully at the hospital this morning and I ask that you pray for him and for his family. May his memory be eternal. Virgil competed as Soul Train Jones in Memphis Continental Wrestling Association before he achieved national success as Virgil, the bodyguard to Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. The Virgil name was given to him as Rib on Virgil Runnels, aka Dusty Rhodes, but Virgil eventually parted ways with DBRC, turning face and winning DBRC's Million Dollar Championship. Virgil left the WWF and joined WCW as a member of the New World Order, competing as Vincent, a play on Vince McMahon. Virgil was last seen on national television when he appeared as a special guest for Chris Jericho's Thanksgiving Thank You celebration on 29th April's 2020 edition of Dynamite. Sadly, Virgil's health deteriorated over the last few years, as according to Slam Wrestling Report, the former WCW star was diagnosed with dementia in 2022 and Pryor had two minor strokes before July 12, 2022. Just last week, Charles was spearheading an effort to have Jones move from the ICU to a nursing home after two more strokes. Charles was one of several individuals helping care for Virgil. We send our heartfelt condolences to Virgil's friends, family and many, many fans. Four Horsemen legend passes away. Now we're saddened to report the death of wrestling legend Ole Anderson at the age of 81. Also known as Alan Rogowski is best known for his role as a founding member of the Four Horsemen. But his career was well established before that with Ole working as a kayfabe brother of Lars and Gene Anderson in the heel team the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. The Andersons were a main event heel team in Georgia Championship Wrestling and Jim Crockett Promotions. He was also known as an innovative booker with a memorable stint booking Georgia Championship Wrestling. He'd been dealing with multiple sclerosis over the last few years, but the current cause of his death is unknown. Whatever the situation, we send our condolences to Ole Anderson's friends, family and fans. Before we begin the show, I just want to go ahead and take this opportunity to go ahead and uh, want to send my condolences out to the families of both um, Ole Anderson's family and also Virgil's family, if you just heard right at the beginning of the show, uh, the passing of both uh, Ole Anderson and Virgil, both men had passed away this week. 
What's going on, guys? Welcome to this very special edition of the Main Event Talk Podcast. I am the Main Event Player, the Super Secret himself, from Retorts, coming back at you. The God of my gods, the King of my kings, the coolest son of a motherfucking bitch, walking God's green earth. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a lot we got to cover, and we got to cover it as soon as we can on this episode. Obviously, we're going to reflect back upon what happened uh, last weekend when WWE Elimination Chamber had took place. We're also going to talk about uh, TNA uh, No Surrender that happened this past week. We're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be talking about Revolution. Revolution that is taking place this week. uh, Happening on Sunday. As a matter of fact, this coming Sunday. Sting's final match, and the main event is going to be talking a lot about that at the very conclusion of this episode of the Main Event Talk podcast. And plus, I'm also going to be giving you guys the um, the first ever WrestleMania report, because believe it or not, all the implications that you're about to hear on this episode of the Main Event Talk podcast will all reflect upon what will take place at WrestleMania. Now, Nothing official as of yet, but we do know that a few matches have already been set for WrestleMania, and we're going to talk about it right here on the Main Event Talk podcast. A lot to take in uh, this week, a lot to take in today, as a matter of fact. So funny. Uh, Yesterday, yesterday was March 1st, believe it or not. Yes. (laughs) March 1st was yesterday, but before that was March, uh, was uh, February 29th which was the last, last day for February and will be the only time you ever hear me say that because February 29th, as you know, is a leap year. So that means that we won't be able to, we won't be able to have a February 29th until the next four years or five years. Is is that right? How it is? (laughs) Uh, It should be interesting and everything else like that. But anyways, um, well, uh, like I said before, we're going to be talking about Revolution. We're going to be talking about uh, Elimination Chamber that took place. No Surrender. And let's see, the NWA has an event happening this uh, tonight, as a matter of fact. I believe it is Hard Times. Yeah, it's NWA Hard Times. That's going to be happening later on today. And, um, well, we're going to discuss some of the matches on that one on that card and see how that one turns out and everything. So, well, that's all we're going to cover for this week on the Main Event Talk podcast. Let's get into some music and everything else like that. And then we'll talk about first No Surrender and then Elimination Chamber that took place this past weekend. So let's get right into the music right now, shall we? Thank you. 
guys have any questions in regards to the show, all you have to do is go to my email address at the main event 1977 at gmail.com. That's the main event 1977 at gmail.com. Any suggestions in regards to the show, anything in regards to anything about professional wrestling or music or anything that you have in mind, all you got to do is go to the email address at the main event 1977 at gmail.com and I will be glad to mention it on the next episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast. Yes, Virgil passed away. And it notes here best known for his run as Ted DiBiase's bodyguard Virgil in the late 80s, early 90s. That, that would have been his, his most famous run. But I will say that when I, when I think of Virgil, Mike Jones, the one thing that sticks out to me more than anything else is, man, could that guy hustle. I mean... <laughs> Exactly. Boy, was he... When it comes to, like, being able to hustle... Because here's the thing. Wrestling superstar Virgil. Everybody... Everybody who was a star in that mid to late 80s WWF period... Like, I mean, they were a star. Even if they weren't Hulk Hogan. You know, Honky Tonk Man and... You know, like all those guys. Like, everybody knew those guys if you were a wrestling fan. And Virgil was not like a big star. He was he was DiBiase's bodyguard. Everybody knew him, but you know it wasn't like he was a contender for the title or anything like that. He was a bodyguard, and then he split away, which was a big angle. And then he went off on his own, and he really didn't do much really on his own. And then you know, of course, later he ended up going to uh, to WCW. And it was like the same thing. Like, he was there. He was a guy who was there. And like, during the the boom period of the 80s and the boom period of the 90s, he was just always around. But not like doing anything, you know what I'm saying? But he was always there. And then when it was... But then it was, when it was over, it was like... He always found a way. I mean, he was like, you know, probably making millions or anything close to that. But like, he always found a way to capitalize on what fame he developed in the 80s and 90s. And yeah, everyone, you know, they make fun of the picture, wrestling superstar Virgil or everything like that. But but that's part of it. He worked that too. But my point is like, you know, it's that picture thing. of him all by himself and nobody there it's like, you know, you can get a picture of anybody doing that at some point. I mean, for crying out loud. People take all the pictures. You know, let's go to... I saw pictures from, um, you know, somebody on, on Twitter was... They, they took a photo of the Australia WWE show, which had like 50,000 people in the stadium. But they took it in such a way that, like, the floor looked totally empty. And it's like, dude, there were 50,000 people in the building. Like, they got to shoot the pyro from somewhere. And unless you want them to shoot that pyro from, like, under your butt on your seat, <laughs> like, there's got to be a bunch of empty space. It's just how they fit. They, like, what are we doing here? Or, hey, you know, one time I went to a, an AW pay-per-view, and I was, I was sitting, uh, I guess it would have been opposite the hard cam. So I took a picture of whatever was in the ring, 
And like you could see the empty area because that's where they put the hard cam. They do it for WWE. They do it for AW. And like you could see empty seats and people were like, oh, there's nobody there. <laughs> it's like there's 13,000 people in the building. What are you talking about? So, yeah, of course, you could find some pictures of Virgil with nobody there. <laughs> but there were lots of days where he was there and he had a crowd and he sold gimmicks. And exactly. Good for him. Signing pictures of him sitting there empty and alone. Great. I mean, that's the whole thing. And you know what? Unlike a lot of guys, Brian, and maybe... My memory could be poor about this, but look how many guys after WCW closed and ROH became a thing. We saw all of those shoot videos come out. We saw all the shoot interviews where essentially some guys were very truthful about it. And other guys, if you just paid them enough and gave them some gimmicks and sat them down, they would tell you anything. And he actually stayed out on the scene and was able to acquire money and was able to keep his name out there not doing those. Like, he seems to be the one guy. I mean, even Shawn Michaels did an RF shoot video. I mean, there were so many people that did them. I don't remember Mike Jones, Soul Train Jones, Virgil ever doing one of those so maybe he did but he didn't have to live off them like a lot of people do he just went out every weekend and sold his gimmicks did his thing told his olive garden breadstick story oh hey sandman's got go. a story you want no story yeah. sandman here says the guy basically saw me to convention told me to come over to him i didn't we chatted he saw my wwe encyclopedia and said I have three photos in there. I will sign your book for 30 bucks or something like that. I love it. And he would not give back my encyclopedia until I agreed. <laughs> a Carney's Carney. Somebody said it was a Lucha Gato. Somebody said it earlier in the chat and everything. Look, just a, a natural hustler going out there, living off his name. And I, I don't think hurting anybody in the process. And I think that's another thing. Well, I mean, he hurt Sandman's checkbook here, but I mean, that's <laughs> just but a I little guess. thing. You were at a convention. You knew we were going to spend money, brother. Well, look, and look how many wrestlers out there have, you know, on the independent scene, you know, have come across Virgil because he was out every weekend as people were on their rises and on their descents again throughout their career. You know, he's a guy that's always kind of been there doing these conventions and doing all this stuff. So, again, sad goes way too early. I, I didn't expect this. I mean, he is so young. And yeah, it's that sad sucks. that it's, it's, it, that, that that's happened. But I tell you... You know, you want to talk about, hey, you weren't the champion of the world or anything like that. I don't know what the dude did with his money. Maybe he really needed to be out there hustling. Maybe he just wanted to be near his friends and part of the action. You know, I, I don't know. But what I do know is you can be successful in this profession and never be the world heavyweight champion, never main event pay-per-views, never have a four- or five-star match. But you can be there getting that check and being, again, keeping your name in for so long, even if it was ridiculous that he became Vincent and that he became Shane and he became Wild Curly Bill or whatever it was. Like, that is ridiculous. But, hey, a 20-year wrestling career is a 20-year wrestling career. And Sandman goes, and the next day, try to do it again. After my friend said he had no money for an autograph, he turned to me and said, if you buy one more, I'll sign his for free. I looked and said, no, you already got three off me. He says, I learned my lesson. He tried it the second day. <laughs> yeah, I got to say, like, you know, there's a lot of horrible carny things wrapped around pro wrestling. But there's also some largely harmless carny things that I still laugh at to this day. 
It's a carny business. I'm sorry. Look, it's it's three card Monty. I mean, honestly, there are some. You learn your lesson as a fan. You learn your lesson out there walking the street. You know when you what person to stop by and maybe what person not to in some cases because they'll wrap you up with their with their rap and Virgil could do that to people, I guess. Okay, let's get into some stuff here. Uh, we got a little bit of a main event talk exclusive here uh, that we are going to be talking about in just a moment. But before we talk about that, uh, a few days ago, I went ahead and did a little bit of recording and stuff. As you know, TNA's No Surrender had took place this past Friday night. And the main event's got a little review to talk about as far as that goes. And also, there is a main event talk exclusive that will happen right next to the results of TNA's No Surrender. Now, it is in relations to the TNA No Surrender. The, uh, surrender, uh, the surrender event took place around February, February 23rd on a Friday, and a lot of stuff had happened on a Friday. And uh, most, of it, most of it involves uh, what took place in TNA Wrestling, and the rest took place over in New Japan Pro Wrestling also. Now, we're going to get into the exclusive right here. Well, first, we're going to get into the results of TNA Wrestling's No Surrender that took place. And then after that, you'll hear the main event talk exclusive about that breaking news that happened, uh, what took place in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and also what took place at TNA No Surrender. So let's get into the results of TNA No Surrender, and then talk about the breaking news afterwards. Okay, so let's begin with the opening show of... This episode of the Man That Talk podcast. So, um, we start off with TNA Wrestling's No Surrender. The event took place on Friday at the same time as the SmackDown show was taking place. Now, as most of you guys know, the SmackDown show that took place was a taped show. So, uh, I bet some people watched it and some people did watch it. And it, it was a pretty good show to watch, but... You know, I wanted to watch, you know, Friday Night Smackdown. Uh, I wanted to watch uh, no, TNA No Surrender because it was a live event. <clears throat> and plus it was the, you know, it was probably going to be like, besides Smackdown, the only shows that I really wanted to watch. <coughs> There's no point in trying to watch Rampage for any reason whatsoever, okay? So anyways, let's get right to it. Uh, let's see, the opening event was the countdown show. And there were two matches that took place. It was a tag team match. The Rascals defeated Speedball Mountain and Michael Bailey and Trent Seven. The system of Eddie Edwards and Brian Myers defeated the tag team of Kevin Knight and Kushida. Those were the two matches that took place on the countdown show which I guess now you can see it on YouTube because I originally thought that you could say, see it on um, TNA+. But you can actually see uh, the event, No Surrender, on TNA+, if you subscribe to it. So I have, and <laughs> I didn't order the pay-per-view, but I did find a way to see it. Don't ask why. Anyways, um, the next matchup, the opening matchup, it's a singles match to determine the number one contender for the TNA World Championship at Sacrifice. Eric Young defeated Frankie Kazarian. Now, uh, the match was okay. 
not not the the finest work I've ever seen. But uh, Eric Young did win the match and moved on. And then after that, uh, Frankie Kazarian went completely overboard with all this, and he went ahead and just, I guess, uh, beat up the referee and you know, just took his frustrations. Sorry, took his frustrations out of the referee. And I was trying to figure out, okay, where is this going? <laughs> where is this actually going and, and should we be concerned? <laughs> should we be at all concerned? So, let's see. Um, so, now it seems that Eric Young... Sorry. Is given an opportunity at the TNA World Championship that's going to take place at Sacrifice, which was going to happen in... Two weeks' time, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think I'm trying to remember what the date was, but we'll, but we'll look into sacrifice later on when we have the opportunity. Uh, this one right here was a very good matchup, tag team match for the TNA World Tag Team Championship. Now, and and I and I gotta say this, and I gotta compare the two because you got the tag team match here in TNA, and the WWE has. Their tag team of the Judgment Day of Damian Priest and Finn Balor taking on uh, the New Catch Republic, which I think both matches were pretty good. But I think I think this one, the three series match that took place between the Gri Grizzled Young Veterans and the ABC was very, very good. I think that the Grizzled Young Veterans should have won. In my personal opinion, they should have won. It could have been a newer version of TNA. It could have been much different. All due respect to the ABC, I think they're a great tag team. I think they're a fantastic tag team. But I think we need to see something different in this one. So, yeah, the ABC defeated the Grizzled Young Veterans, retained the TNA World Tag Team Championships. The next one was really, it was just a... Uh, a stupid match. I mean, it was a good match, but... Okay, well, let, let's just say stupid. Why? PCO versus Khan, and PCO won by disqualification. It was only... Yeah, that's about right. Three minutes and 49 seconds. It was that long of a match, right? And then they just kept fighting about 10 more minutes afterwards, Right? Beating the shit out of each other with chairs. And then I think I remember one part where I think Khan had zip-tied his hand. And I think smashed a, smashed a chair on the back of his head or something like that. And he was down. Oh, my God. This, this match should have kept going. But I guess they got bigger plans for this matchup between PCO and Khan. You ever notice that? that and, and I find this to be extremely funny. And I want to bring this up right now while I'm thinking about this. Here I am talking about TNA's No Surrender. I feel like I'm the only person talking about TNA No Surrender. While over in other organizations, you know, other newsletters, supposedly, they don't do the reports. They don't talk about TNA wrestling. And it's like, dude, come on, are you serious? I mean, I talk about AEW. I talk about the WWE. And yes, I mean, we... we do talk about TNA wrestling, we do talk about the NWA, you know, we talk about those events and everything else like that, and yet people, like like the Wrestling Observer, for example, they never really talk about it. They never really talk about it. I feel like I'm I feel like I'm the only person talking about it at this point. There are others that talk about it too, but come on, I mean, 
I'm doing this report because number one, I'm a wrestling fan, and number two, I keep up with all this stuff. But anyways, uh, next matchup, tag team match for the TNA Knockouts World Tag Team Championships. MK Ultra retained, or so, I'm sorry, are now two-time tag team champions defeating the former champions, Decay of Rosemary and Havoc via pinfall. This was another good matchup. Uh, Josh Alexander defeated Simon Gotch. Uh, 16 minutes and 43 seconds. Great match. It was a fantastic match. I would have loved to have seen... I would have loved to have seen Simon Gotch win, but... I mean, Josh Alexander, there's... There's there's really no stopping him. There's really no stopping him at all. Um, I'm not sure what the future holds for him, but... I mean, I'm kind of hoping that he does become world champion soon again. Because I think the company really needs that. But in the process, I think we we still need a different champion. You know what I'm saying? I think we still need a different champion to go with that. Okay, the next matchup. This one was an interesting but kind of ridiculous match. Um, this was for the TNA World Championship. And this was a no-surrender rules match. Now, what that means, it's one of those one of those uh, matches where I think last time I saw something like this, it was something like, um, what was it? Uh, something like the one with uh, Bob Backlund and Owen Hart, right? Uh, uh, Bob Backlund and uh, Bret Hart, I'm sorry, from Survivor Series. And the other was from that Halloween Havoc in 89, uh, where, there, where there was a towel involved, right? And you cannot throw the towel in at all. Zero. Not a damn thing. This match was, like... It was intense from head to toe. Moose was clearly the dominant individual. And Kushida was having a very tough time wanting to throw the towel. Didn't want to throw the towel. Until he did. And my thought was, oh my god, are you serious? And I was hoping for, like, some sort of angle where he accidentally threw the towel. And while the referee was, you know, saw that and declared the bell to ring. And and that was kind of stupid because, like, in a, ma- in a match like this, number one, a no-surrender match with towels. Oh, come on. Just, just, do, just do the rematch. Just do the rematch and just get people to interfere. That would have been a whole lot better than seeing this, you know. No offense, I mean, I didn't want to see anybody throw a towel. I didn't want to see anybody throw a towel for any reason, all right? I mean, let's be honest. Moose was going to win the championship. We saw it coming. We know it was going to go down. So now that we know that Moose has won the championship and retained the title, now we know that Moose is going to go one-on-one against Eric Young at Sacrifice, which will happen next month, uh, which we'll talk about later on. Next matchup, Jordan Grace defeated uh, Glisdale Shaw with the appearance of Ash with elegance. Oh, God. Have you seen this fucking ring announcer? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for your listening pleasure, I shall introduce... Uh, he, he comes out in this ridiculous voice. He kind of sounds like... He kind of sounds like Jeremy Borash if he was a man. You know what I'm saying? And it, this... You hear that voice right away, and <coughs> it does become annoying. It really does. And, uh, and ladies and gentlemen, stand on your feet for Ash with elegance. And what in the hell are you saying, man? Dear God. So here comes here comes Dana Brooke, 
ash with elegance or whatever the fuck she calls herself. Yes, she looks beautiful. Yes, she looks attractive. But I... I, I feel like I'm the only person that sees this, but I think her in-ring work needs a little bit more work. But anyways, she came out and she appeared in the title match between Jordan Grace and Glizelle Shaw. Now, the funny thing I noticed was, and I saw this, so Jordan Grace pins Glizelle Shaw, right? I'm seeing Ash, uh, Ash with elegance going like this, like clapping her hands. And I guess, you know, something, she enjoyed something. And then Jordan Grace just pinned Glizelle Shaw, one, two, three, that was it. I guess uh, Ashwood Elegance was a bit upset about it because I think she was kind of hoping for the other person, Glizelle Shaw, to become the champion. So that way she will have an opportunity to go after an easy opponent, which Glizelle Shaw honestly really isn't, instead of facing Jordan Grace. I'm not sure what the whole thing is about, but we're going to see how that goes. We're going to see how this goes um, with Jordan Grace and with Glizelle Shaw and with Ash Elegance. We'll see how all of this transpires in the next few weeks in TNA. Okay, let's see here. And the main event, this is the matchup that I wanted to talk about. Now, I already gave a spoiler at the very beginning of the show, but I'll go ahead and talk about it right here, right now. <clears throat> Mustafa Ali defeated Chris Sabin for the X Division Championship. Several key factors you need to know about. Number one, Ali's entourage was obviously involved. And number two, two other people were involved that I have no idea what they are. And number three, I think it was only, and, and people made a big deal about the X Division being in the Exhibition Championship being in the main event of No Surrender. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. And especially when you have Chris Sabin, who has been championed about 10 times already. And you got Mustafa Ali, who is a new cha- a new guy on the block who wants to be the champion. Mustafa Ali defeated Chris Sabin, took the championship. And that was just, wow. It was incredible. <clears throat> you couldn't believe it, but you knew it. So... I, I mentioned this because um, I what I did was right after TNA wrestling was over, right after No Surrender was over, I went ahead and decided to record that that opening that you just heard where I talked about how three former WWE champions win championship gold outside of the company. Matt Riddle wins championship gold. Dolph Ziggler wins championship gold. And now Mustafa Ali wins championship gold. And it's good for them. It's very, very good for them, and I'm, and I'm very, very happy that they had found success elsewhere. And hopefully sometime in the near future, maybe within a year or two, we'll probably see these individuals back in the WWE very, very soon. But in the meantime, it is what it is. I'm glad that they won championship gold. I'm glad Mustafa Ali won championship gold at TNA No Surrender. And that means we'll probably see a little bit more of Mustafa Ali appearing in TNA, and no doubt he'll probably be a part of Sacrifice. We don't know if the X Division, we don't know how long his X Division title reign will run. I'm hoping it runs all the way until Bound for Glory, until we get the right opponent for Mustafa Ali to take the championship away from him, unless they go further with Mustafa. But nonetheless, big congratulations go out to Mustafa Ali for becoming the brand new 
ex-division champion. He defeated Chris Sabin, who was a 10-time champion. And it all took place at TNA No Surrender. Great event. Uh, I think, um, uh, I'm not sure. It wasn't really that boring of a match. But you know what I, what I found funny is this is the first TNA wrestling without the appearance of Scott Demore, without any sort of uh, affliction with Scott Demore. So I'm not sure exactly, you know, I mean, is Scott Demore ever coming back? Uh, is Scott Demore out of the company for good? Will we will we ever see it? Because look, when TNA wrestling started coming back, it, it came back with TNA's Hard to Kill. The event was good. It sold some good pay-per-views. Uh, a lot of pay-per-view buys that took place in that event. Hard to Kill was the was the uh, the event. Now, I was hoping the follow up would be for No Surrender to happen. I'm hoping for something big like that. But this felt like this felt more like an Impact show than a TNA wrestling show. You know what I mean? I mean because it's like I know some people. Well, well, technically, Impact is TNA. No, there, there's there's kind of a difference, and you know. The vibe I'm getting now, <clears throat> the vibe I'm getting with TNA Wrestling now, it's 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 good, but it's not... <coughs> I feel like it could be better, you know? I feel like it could be better. I think Dolph Ziggler should have somehow played a role in, in this match, or, or played a role in this event. It would have been nice to see him here, okay? But we don't know... I have not kept up with everything that goes on with uh, Dolph Ziggler, but no doubt he'll be he'll be coming over to sorry he'll be coming over to TNA real real soon, and hopefully we'll see what happens afterwards. So, no surrender is out of the way, and the next pay per view coming up will be Sacrifice. And let me see if I can pull that up real quick so we'll know what the date is so we can check it out. You can check it out at TNA Plus. Um, let's see. TNA Sacrifice. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just trying to type this down. There we go. TNA Sacrifice 2024. And let me see if anything pops up. Okay. Uh, the event's going to take place on March the 8th over in Win uh, Windsor, Ontario, Canada. And I believe that's going to be on a Friday. And so far from the looks of it, looks like we've got three matches that are going to happen at that event. And I'm looking at it closely here, so let's look into it. Uh, oh, okay, I see it. Okay, so this is going to be good. Check it out. Moose is going to be defending the championship against Eric Young. We know that's gonna. Uh, we know that Eric Young has won his match with uh, Frankie Kazarian, and no doubt Frankie Kazarian will probably get involved in this matchup. I have no doubt. Three-way match for the TNA Knockouts World Championship. Jordan Grace, who had retained the championship against, um, who retained the championship against Glizel Shaw, will now face Tasha Steeles and Zaya Brookside in a three-way match. And I, I talked about Dolph Ziggler, or Nick Nemeth, if you will. He is scheduled, and it looks like he's going to be defending the IWGP Global Heavyweight Champion, because he won that championship. He'll be defending it against Steve Macklin. So those are the three matches that are going to happen at Sacrifice. This is going to happen, I believe, the following week, 
right after, let's see, because uh, we're on the weekend of Revolution, which is going to happen on March 3rd, uh, which is tomorrow, by the way. And and this event's going to happen on a March 8th on a Friday, if I'm right. Let's see, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, yep. It's going to happen on a Friday. So... TNA Wrestling Sacrifice was a great, uh, TNA, I'm sorry, TNA No Surrender was a great event. Not the best event it could be, but we'll see how better it gets. Uh, TNA Sacrifice is looking good. We got a TNA World Championship on the line, TNA Knockouts on the line, and an IWGP Championship will be on the line. Three championships to be decided over at Sacrifice, which will happen on March 8th on Friday. The main event, we'll be looking forward to checking out that event. And you guys can check it out as well. You can check out the countdown show as it happens on YouTube or on TNA Plus. And subscribe to TNA Plus to order TNA Sacrifice on Friday, March the 8th. What's going on, guys? It's a main event talk exclusive right here on the main event talk podcast. This episode, I believe, as we speak, is being released... Uh, I believe on a Saturday, uh, let's see if, uh, cause right now, and just kind of give you guys a hint of what's happening right now. Uh, today is, um, well, right now it's about 11, no, I'm sorry, 10, 21, uh, PM on a Friday night on uh, February 23rd, right? That's what's happening. But this recording, let's see, uh, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. I believe we're in March 1st, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong, but I believe it's March 1st. But anyways, uh, I wanted to share some news with you guys because uh, as I'm recording this episode, uh, there are, uh, this is an interesting Friday, to say the very least. Now, this recording is taking place right before Elimination Chamber is going to take place. I just got done watching... Uh, I just got done watching TNA No Surrender. Now, before I reveal what I'm about to reveal, I want to reveal a couple of things that have happened uh, within the past few hours since this is happening. So, I had already released an episode of the Maybet Talk podcast that should have been released on Friday, and I had set everything up to be finished on Thursday, and I have everything scheduled for Friday to show up. Now, during Friday, uh, there have been a lot of interesting news, and I'm not talking about the Elimination Chamber itself. Three former WWE superstars have won championship gold on this particular day. And it's very interesting, because I, I wasn't expecting this. I did not even know this was happening. But holy crap, it's all over the place right now. And I wanted to share this news with you before we begin this episode of the Mavit Talk podcast. So, let's begin with what the first thing that happened. Uh, I believe it was former WWE superstar Matt Riddle, who, as you know, was released from the company several months back and was, um, had seeked, uh, I believe has been wrestling in MLW and also wrestled in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Now, what I'm about to reveal right now next, uh, I believe there was an event that took place on uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. I, I don't know what the event was called and everything, 
but the news had broke out that Matt Riddle has beaten uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, I believe, and became the brand new IWGP uh, uh, IWD. Uh, I'm sorry, IWGP World Television Champion. He just became the champion over in that company, which. I mean, I I was in shock. I hadn't. I I think uh, what, uh, Tanahashi had the title for, what a couple of weeks now, and then all of a sudden Matt Riddle just walks in and takes the championship from him. Oh my God! Now, if that wasn't if that wasn't crazy enough, check this out. Now, the next thing uh, we know that Nick Nemeth was, we know he signed to TNA Wrestling, and he also made an appearance in New Japan Pro Wrestling's uh, Wrestle Kingdom to challenge David Finley. And I believe it was for the IWGP Global Championship. And now Nick Nemeth, a.k.a. Dolph Ziggler, has won the IWGP Global Championship. Holy crap. Uh, for those that don't know who Nick Nemeth is, he, he's former WWE superstar Dolph Ziggler. One championship gold there, so big congratulations go out to these two men. Now, the story does not end here. Now, we are going to be doing the TNA review of No Surrender, which took place on Friday. And I just got done watching this a moment ago. Even though this episode is being released today, I'm recording this on the 23rd of February. So, this is right after TNA Wrestling's No Surrender took place. Now... Keep in mind and let me let me follow you in on this so that way you know what's going on. So Matt Riddle wins the IWGP World Television Champion. Nick Nemeth has become the IWGP Global Champion. And all of a sudden in the main event of No Surrender, former WWE superstar Mustafa Ali has now become the brand new TNA X Division Champion. And holy shit. I mean, I, I, I obviously some of us were expecting this to happen, but for three, I'm, I'm three former WWE superstars to leave the company to pursue other things and all of a sudden this happens to them is unbelievable. It's incredible. I could not believe it. And man, I <laughs> I I'm I cannot believe it. I'm I'm just in shock. Now it, it's just uh, well, you guys have probably have already heard about the news. I'm recording this as it happens. You know, like I said, this episode is happening right now as we speak, and I'm recording this on Friday, February the twenty-third, and we're almost hours away from checking out. Elimination Chamber, which we have not checked out yet, but I wanted to go ahead and bring this news to you right here on the Main Event Talk Podcast because I thought it was newsworthy as hell. Because Mustafa Ali, Nick Nemeth, and Matt Riddle, three former WWE superstars, have won championship gold outside of WWE. And I wanted to break that news to you right here on the Main Event Talk Podcast. Now, uh, once again, big congratulations go out to Matt Riddle for becoming the IWGP World Television Champion. Congratulations go out to Nick Nemeth for becoming the IWGP 
global champion. And congratulations go out to Mustafa Ali for becoming the brand new TNA X Division champion. Holy crap, there's a lot to cover on this episode of the Main Event Talk podcast. We're going to be talking about the results of TNA Wrestling's No Surrender. And we're also going to be talking about Elimination Chamber as well. Guys, this is only the beginning. And trust me, we've got a lot of stuff to cover on this episode of the Main Event Talk podcast. Let's get to the entrance music right now. Uh, well, Well, let's get to it right now. Raw will end on the USA Network the last week of September. It will debut on Netflix the first week of January. So we have three months where we don't know anything. And on the investor's call, it was brought up, you know, the three months. And the one thing that was very clear is they have no idea. Around here, we have a saying. No worries. Well, now, you better stop worrying. Unforgiving. Inescapable. The winner earns a championship match at WrestleMania. Things get bigger while the boss goes shit. The subsidizing evil with no budget for the Let's begin with the women's elimination chamber match that started right at the beginning of the show. Uh, everything started uh, here in Corpus. Um, just kind of start this off here. Um, I think elimination chamber started. I know the event started at four o'clock. I know that's the the actual beginning of the event, but I believe. At 3 o'clock in the morning, I believe, was when the countdown show started. Now, I'm talking about the time here in Corpus Christi. I got up. I went to sleep a little bit earlier than expected. I had got up, I believe it was around 5 o'clock, a little before 5 o'clock, and I believe the Women's Elimination Chamber was just finished, and 
we were about to get into the tag team title match, which I'll reveal that in just a moment. Um, we started with the Elimination Chamber match, the women's match of started, or actually, uh, well, I'm, I'm sorry, my apologies, my apologies. Um, it started, the countdown show started, right? And it featured the, uh, I said that there was going to be an extra match that's going to be added. Sometimes they'll surprise us, and they did. Uh, the Kabuki Warriors had defeated uh, Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell via pinfall for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship, which, you know, that was a gimme. I mean, I knew it was going to be a matter of time before Indy Hartwell becomes a part of this matchup, and she did, which I'm glad. I'm glad she became a part of the matchup. I was very, very happy, although it would have been a whole lot happier if she was Tag Team Champions, but that didn't happen. We know how that went down. So we go into the Elimination Chamber matchup itself, and we started with having uh, Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan, Naomi, Raquel Rodriguez, and uh, Tiffany Stratton. So to kind of put this in order for everybody, so that way you know, you'll get an idea of how all this went down. Let's see. It started with, let's see here. Okay, the first elimination for the women's, let's see, Naomi was eliminated. She was entrant number two, uh, was eliminated by Tiffany Stratton. Tiffany Stratton was number two, entered in at number three, I believe, defeated by, was eliminated by Liv Morgan. Raquel Rodriguez entered in at number three. Uh, Bianca came in at number, well, uh, let's see, entered at number five, was eliminated by Bianca Belair. Uh, let's see. Bianca Belair came in at number four, was eliminated by Liv Morgan. And then Liv Morgan was, of course, uh, number five, who was eliminated by Becky Lynch. And the winner of the matchup was Becky Lynch who won the entire um, Elimination Chamber match, and this means now we know that Becky Lynch is now on her way to WrestleMania, and she is going to be facing the winner of the Nia Jax, uh, Nia Jax um, Rhea Ripley match as it takes place uh, on this episode, or on this matchup anyway. Uh, you know, I was going to go ahead and just go right into the uh, next thing, but let's well, let's go ahead and just talk about the next matchup. The next matchup was for the tag team titles, right? Uh, the tag team titles, let's see, the Judgment Day defended their tag team titles against the new, the new Catch Republic, that's what they're called? Right, they're, they were called the new Catch Republic. Anyways, um, they went ahead and, uh, you know, had their match. Lasted about a good. It was a pretty. It was a pretty good tag match, and we all knew how the end result was going to be, so it wasn't a big surprise there. So, uh, seventeen minutes and twenty five seconds. Judgment Day retained the tag team titles, defeating the New Catch Republic. Right there. Let's move on. Well, uh, obviously, we're going to talk about the Racing Waller effect in a moment, but I'm going to save that for the end here, so that way you guys will get an idea about exactly what's about to take place here. So, this one right here, let's see, uh, was the Elimination Chamber match for the Men's Elimination Chamber. This was a pretty interesting one, to say the very least. 
Uh, let's see here. Entrant number one was Bobby Lashley. Number two was L.A. Knight. Number three was Kevin Owens. Um, number, let's see. Um, I think it was, how how did this method go? Let's see. I believe number one, wait, wait. Who came in where? Let's see. I think Kevin Owens was number one, if I'm not mistaken. Because the last person was L.A. Knight, was I? Well, okay, well, anyways, just to kind of erase all that thought in my head here, let's get into who was eliminated by who. Bobby Lashley was eliminated by Drew McIntyre. L.A. Knight was also eliminated, well, eliminated by Drew McIntyre. Kevin Owens was eliminated by Randy Orton. Logan Paul was eliminated by Randy Orton. And then Randy Orton was eliminated by Drew McIntyre at the hands of Logan Paul. And there was one part to the matchup where AJ Styles did come in. And I know there's some people that have been saying, oh, well, it took him, you know, all across, you know, the world to have him screw LA Knight out of the championship. Am I the only one that realizes that somehow, some strange reason, AJ Styles is going to get involved? And and here's also another stupid thing. I don't know why this was brought up, and I had to bring it up simply because I think I think I know what the answer was. Um, AJ Styles had a qualifying match, and it, and LA Knight cost him the qualifying match. Now, LA Knight was going to be was in a qualifying match also, and I kept asking the question. Why didn't AJ Styles come in and pretty much interfered in the matchup? I mean, why didn't he come in and and stop LA Knight? I mean, paybacks are paybacks are you know what, right? And it didn't happen. It didn't happen that way. And my thought was, well, I don't know. I really don't see AJ Styles coming in and interfering in the Elimination Chamber match unless somebody's actually stupid enough to open the open the pot and let AJ in. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. He, uh, I think it was uh, when Bobby Lashley was was eliminated. The officials were trying to get him out of the ring. AJ Styles had apparently had got into the ring as quickly as possible with a steel chair, laid out LA Knight, and then that's when Drew McIntyre went ahead and got the pinfall victory on him. One, two, three. LA Knight was eliminated at the hands of Drew McIntyre because of AJ Styles. So you know that was pretty interesting to say the very least there. So and then of course Logan Paul, who was the uh, who was eliminated by Randy Orton, and it was just so funny to watch that one, because let's see Randy Orton came in, uh, laid him out with an RKO, was selling his back a little bit, and I I don't know I mean you know how sorry uh, you know how when. Um, when you see someone that's been hurt for a while, you literally feel like you think that they're legitimately injured and everything else like that. And legitimately, Randy Orton is injured, and some people are given this idea that Randy Orton is probably just selling his back and everything, so that way he'll give the impression that his back still hurts, which I wouldn't doubt if it really hurt in reality, but I think I can actually see why Randy Orton really didn't want to take that many bumps in the Elimination Chamber 
especially with someone of his caliber, to know what, what he was doing. But nonetheless, Randy Orton was laid out at the hands of Logan Paul because as soon as Randy Orton hit the RKO on Drew McIntyre, uh, there was a scene, uh, there was a part where I guess the referee was trying to get Logan Paul out of the ring. Logan Paul didn't move. <laughs> he, he was selling like he couldn't, he, he didn't do anything. And then before you know it, all of a sudden, as soon as Randy Orton hit the RKO on Drew McIntyre, that's when Logan Paul uh, went ahead, got into the ring, and laid out Randy Orton with a knockout blow with those brass knuckles he had in his possession. And one, two, three, that's when Drew McIntyre wins the match. So Drew McIntyre wins the Elimination Chamber match, which was not a surprise. So now that means that Drew McIntyre now has an opportunity to take on the world heavyweight champion Seth freaking Rollins. Now we'll talk about we'll talk about Seth freaking Rollins and we'll talk about Cody Rhodes uh, in just a moment. I wanted to get into this next matchup right here, uh, the last matchup of the night, which was Rhea Ripley going one on one against Nia Jax. The match was. Well, it was a, a a snail's pace from a lot of people's perspectives. A lot of people, and I'm looking at this from two different perspectives. The first perspective is that this matchup was pretty good. Uh, Nia Jax was, uh, to some people's eyes, is the right opponent for Rhea Ripley. Uh, and it this match needed to happen because Rhea Ripley had been crushed at the hands of Nia Jax in the past couple of weeks to the past couple of months. And this needed to be the opponent for Elimination Chamber because, and to a lot of people's eyes, I think it was better that this matchup took place in the main event, you know, instead of having it to be at WrestleMania, which a lot of people do not want to see that. So I can kind of understand that. So, and another side is that people have been saying that this match was was real bad for Rhea and she should have had a different opponent and everything else like that. And uh, my, my opinion was, I think I would have been better off just having Nia Jax. You know, just to put that behind and everything. And that's exactly what happened, you know. So the matchup was, let's see. Uh, the matchup was about 14 minutes and 35 seconds long. Rhea Ripley won her match with the Riptide, beating Nia Jax, one, two, three, in the middle of the ring. And then that was it. Nia Jax loses. Rhea Ripley wins. Holds on to the world women's world championship, and now that means that we're going to be having the WrestleMania match that's going to happen. So, to reiterate on what's about to happen at WrestleMania, Drew McIntyre wins his match. Now he has an opportunity to take on Seth Rollins for the world heavyweight championship at WrestleMania. We also have. Rhea Ripley winning and retaining the Women's World Championship and Becky Lynch winning the Women's Elimination Chamber. Now she has an opportunity to move on to WrestleMania to take on Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. That's two matches. And now, and, and besides those two matches, we have Bailey going one-on-one against EO Sky at WrestleMania. And of course, the one everyone is anticipating to check out Cody Rhodes to take on Roman Reigns for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship at WrestleMania. Okay, now, 
We got the Elimination Chamber part out of the way. We gave you the results and everything. Now, let's get into the Grayson Waller effect. Let's talk about that. And uh, there were a couple of key elements to this. And, uh, well, you know, you, you know, instead of me talking about this, I want to go ahead and play some of the pre-recorded comments that took place uh, a few hours before Elimination Chamber or after Elimination Chamber was done. I went ahead and uh, wanted to re record this and get it out of the way to give you my opinions about what I thought about the Grayson Waller effect, what I thought about Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins being there, and how will this affect WrestleMania. So let's get right into my comments from just a few hours after Elimination Chamber was done. It's all about the Grayson Waller effect, and it's all about whether or not whether or not we're going to get what we're going to get at WrestleMania. Let's get right into it right here, right now. Okay, so let's talk about the Grayson Waller effect. <laughs> let's talk about how this was going to happen. Now, my thought of the Grayson Waller effect was going to be this. The guest was going to be Cody Rhodes, and the other guest was going to be Seth Rollins. Now, uh, there has been some criticism about it, and uh, I'm, I'm going to... You know, while some people have their point of view as to what they think, I, I have a different perspective of how it goes. Now, my thought was I was thinking Roman Reigns was going to show up. That's what my thought was. I was hoping for Roman Reigns to be there. I was kind of hoping for something a bit, a bit more interesting to the point where people wanted to see exactly what, you know, we were going to be given. Now, what am I talking about? So let's see here. My my thought, my prediction on the Grayson Waller effect was I wasn't expecting Austin Theory, first of all. So that was really like there was no point to that. There was really there was really no point in him being there, period, because even if he was there, he was gonna be treated like a like a punching bag, and he pretty much had proved my point there. Now, my thought was that Grayson Waller was gonna show up, have Cody Rhodes, have Seth Rollins, have them talk, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden introduce the tribal chief and then introduce the rock surprising everybody and then having some sort of a little a little thing where you get the two face to face with the other two and then you get them to have a match at WrestleMania announcing that okay, I challenge you at WrestleMania. We know that Cody Rhodes is gonna take on Roman Reigns for the Undisputed Universal Championship at night two of WrestleMania. That's already been set in stone. And people have been under this impression that we were going to get a tag match, that it's going to happen. My thought, my personal thought was, no, it wasn't going to happen. Now, if you had a chance to hear the beginning of the show, you know that I said, and I quote, it would be better if it was Cody taking on The Rock at WrestleMania because it would make a whole lot of sense, okay? Much more sense. Think about it just for this moment once again. I don't feel like repeating myself, but I'll go ahead and do it again anyway. But, well, oh, but actually, wait a minute. I'm leading into the story too much. So instead of all of that happening, we got Grayson Waller showing up. Actually, from the beginning, we had Austin Theory show up making a big introduction for the Aussie native. And it's so funny, it is so fucking funny that Grayson Waller comes off as some idiotic moron from Australia 
who is a big star in his fucking home country. Oh, dear God. So then the next thing that happened was uh, Seth Rollins would um, make his appearance first. And then the appearance of Cody Rhodes would show up. So, Grayson Waller would hit him with some questions. He would bring up the tribal chief, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. The whole nine yards. So, Seth Rollins would reveal about his injury uh, that in a few days he is cleared to compete. Now, there's a bit more to the story than I think that meets the eye, uh, which I'll, I'll talk about later on in this episode of the Maybe Talk podcast. So, as soon as Seth Rollins made his announcement, then came Cody's announcement. Cody had an announcement. Cody had said something, and I think you heard it right at the beginning of this, right, right here earlier. Where Cody Rhodes wanted to challenge The Rock anywhere, anytime. You know, guys, I think this is the part where now the words, I told you so, would be coming. Now, it's not fully, and I told you so just yet. Now, hear me out. Now, Cody had said that he'll challenge The Rock anywhere, anytime, right? And this is the thought. If this ends up on television, be good. Be good for ratings, be good for the people, everything else like that but knowing the rock and knowing how this is going to play out this is how it's going to roll instead of having instead of having Cody and the rock competing on raw or competing on smackdown you do it on the one possible possible deal and that is wrestlemania okay now we've already established that night 2 is going to have Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes. And there is a good chance of Seth Rollins taking on the winner of the Elimination Chamber, which uh, I think you already know who it is, but we'll discuss it in a moment. That will possibly happen night two. Or night one, depending. But, however, what's going to overshadow this, what's pretty much going to overshadow the championship match is what could take place at night one. Now, The Rock's not going to challenge Cody. He'll probably accept the challenge if it happens. But I doubt it's going to happen at Raw or SmackDown. I mean, let's be honest, it's not going to happen at any of those things. If they do some sort of a a semi-WrestleMania and everything else like that, okay, well, that will make sense also. But I think the possibility of Rock versus Cody at WrestleMania night one will possibly happen. Like I've said before, if you look at the things that's been happening to Cody within the past few months after WrestleMania, let's look at it. He loses, he, he ends up in a match with Brock Lesnar, right? Not once, not twice, but three times. Then he has a feud with Shinsuke Nakamura, then has a feud with Damian Priest, then moves on to the Royal Rumble, and then moves on to to go through the press conference, which all of a sudden The Rock ends up slapping him in the face. Now, we know, and it's pretty much inevitable, and we know that this is going to go down. 
everyone has been speculating that The Rock versus Cody is not going to happen. No, it's stupid. A lot of people have told me that. But in the process, it's like, oh, come on, give me a fucking break here. You mean to tell me that Cody Rhodes getting slapped in the face by The Rock and you're going to make it a tag match? Are you stupid? Have you lost your fucking mind? You got two grown adult men. One man slaps another man in the face for insulting his family and you wanted it to be a tag match. Are you fucking stupid? The Rock is practically what? He's almost 50 years old now. He can still go. I know there's a difference between uh, ring shape and being in shape and yada, yada, yada. I, wanna, I don't want to hear that shit, okay? I know about all those things, okay? But what you have to understand is The Rock competing against Cody at WrestleMania would be the bigger draw. It, it will be a little bit of a bigger draw than Roman versus Cody, and the only reason why is because this would be a first-time encounter. And you also have to remember that several blocks have been placed in front of Cody, and he's knocked them out every single time. Now, if you get The Rock against Cody at WrestleMania, if you get Rock against Cody at WrestleMania for night one, that will work. That will work, because it draws money, you got two big names, two big stars involved, and you have it at the grandest stage at WrestleMania, and you set it up for night one. You set it up for night one however you want to do it. Now, I know this puts the point where, well, this sucks because you're putting Cody in a match with The Rock, and if he wins, then he moves on to take on Roman Reigns afterwards, you know? But remember... The Rock still wants Roman at WrestleMania. The Rock still wants Roman at WrestleMania. But this could all be a setup. This could all be a complete setup. The point is, Rock versus Cody will happen. And I have a feeling it will happen at WrestleMania. And I believe it will happen at night one. I mean, look, look, listen. People have been saying that it's a tag match. Now, Seth Rollins is still going to have his back. That's the bottom line. I cannot, for for the life of me, see Seth Rollins competing, uh, uh, Seth Rollins and Cody competing against Roman and The Rock because, come on, be smart about this. Having the WWE Universal Champion wrestle twice, have Seth Rollins wrestle twice, have Cody Rhodes... Well, Cody Rhodes, you can have him wrestle twice. That's no problem. You can see the, the point there. The Rock wrestle, wrestle... Rock will be the only one to wrestle once. That's it. You know? The Rock may interfere. Who knows? I mean, you could see that. The point is, nobody is looking at the big picture. Everybody is going by the reports, the dirt sheets, and everything that they tell you. When in reality, what you see in front of you is this. Cody, once again, I got to repeat myself over this just to get people to understand why I said what I said. Cody gets slapped in the face by The Rock at a press conference. And everyone is assuming that it's going to be a tag match and they're all worried the fact that The Rock could get hurt. Rock's not going to get hurt. He will be, he will be, um, he will have minor, well, I'm not going to say minor injury, but he's going to be 
it's going to be pretty minor to think about it because it's The Rock. And also, you can't expect... To, I mean, The Rock could take a bump. He knows he could take a bump, but certainly at his age. And certainly the fact that, you know, he's a former WWE superstar. We all know that. But people need to stop looking at The Rock as an old man. Yes, he is an old man, but he's not that old. Okay? I'm saying Cody, Rock, WrestleMania... You put that to bed, and then you move on and everything. Okay, you move. You put Cody to the point where you get him to take on Roman Reigns at WrestleMania now. No more roadblocks, no more setbacks. Nothing's going to get in his way. All that's left is Cody and for Roman Reigns to compete against each other at WrestleMania, just like that. The Rock is simply a roadblock. That's what it is. If this was a tag match, number one, it wouldn't make any sense. Yes, I understand it did make sense because of the press conference. I saw it because Seth Rollins was involved, Roman was involved, Cody was involved. Yes, all of those make sense. But the one that sticks out the most is the fact that Cody got slapped in the face by The Rock. People would really want to see The Rock more than they want to see a tag match. I don't give a shit about the tag match. I want to see Cody. I want to see The Rock. I want to see those two compete at WrestleMania. And if it happens, I think Cody should beat The Rock. Thus, Cody, thus a plan being set up by The Rock. It's, it, you know, I, I can't be, I can't make any, I can't make this any more plainer. People are assuming that this is going to end up being a tag match. Which I thought too. <coughs> I thought it was going to be a tag match. But when you look at it, I mean, like I said, I don't have to repeat myself. You see it before your eyes. If you see two men face to face with each other, one person slaps the hell out of the other, do you make it a tag match? No. You make it a one-on-one -on -one match. Now, there are some people, and let me go ahead and finish off the the whole thing with um, what's okay. Place at the Grace Waller effect. So Cody makes the announcement there. Seth Rollins had mentioned that he is going to have his back, and then um, Seth, you know, Austin Theory came in and did unnecessary stuff, and then before you know it, you know. Seth and Cody pretty much made fun of Austin Theory, threw him out the fucking window, and then Grayson Waller was pretty much left there, you know, to let Austin be humiliated like that, you know, so that was the whole end of the Grayson Waller effect. Now, like I said, I thought, I thought we would see in this Grayson Waller effect, I thought Cody and I thought Seth would both make some sort of a speech, right? Some sort of a, an announcement that they both will compete to take on Roman Reigns versus The Rock. That's what, that's what everyone is assuming. That's what everyone is assuming that will happen, right? But when Cody said he wanted to challenge The Rock anywhere, anytime, the anywhere will be WrestleMania. The, the, the anywhere will be Philadelphia. The anytime will be WrestleMania. See, that makes much more sense than what people are assuming. You see, someone like myself is looking at the bigger picture. Everyone is looking at things small. A tag match is small. It's the only... Because, look, 
to me, if people are looking at this as we're going to take a concept from WrestleMania 1, have a megastar like The Rock and a superstar like Roman Reigns team up to take on a, a, star, a megastar like Cody Rhodes and a star like Seth Rollins, you're going to have those two compete at WrestleMania kind of like how WrestleMania 1 is. No, because that is small potatoes. That is very small potatoes. It's, it's a match nobody's going to give a shit about. It's a match no one's going to care about at all. Even if, you set it up, even if you set it up for night one, no one's going to care about it. But, well, you may care about it a little bit, but it's WrestleMania. You know how that goes. But if you put Cody versus The Rock, if you put it at night one, if you make it a big deal within the next few days, you make it a big deal. You can also you know, add some, uh, some suspense to it about the whole thing with the Universal Champion being involved, Roman Reigns. You, you have all sorts of, um, you have everything going in the right direction, just like this. But also now, I don't think this should happen, but I have a feeling it's going to end up in this direction. Let's say, for example, you know, Cody does get what he wants. And The Rock, I'm, I'm going to guess he's either going to accept it now or he's going to wait a couple of weeks till we get to WrestleMania to accept the match. Just like that, right? Now... Uh, I I had a point. I was trying to get there. I couldn't get to it. Let's see. The point was Cody gets The Rock, right? And say if The Rock accepts the match. I mean, it's going to end up at WrestleMania. It's going to end up there, right? And Rock losing to Cody would be the right call, right? But, oh, here's here's what I was trying to get at. I, like I said, I don't think it'll happen, but I think it will. If Cody, if The Rock agrees to have the match with Cody at WrestleMania, then Cody has to put up his title shot. I don't think it will happen, but I think that would be an interesting swerve. It would play an interesting swerve, to say the very least. Because The Rock wants a match with Roman at WrestleMania. He knows he has it in the palm of his hands. He could go ahead and tell Cody, I'll give you your match, but you got to put up your title shot. And if I win, I go on tonight two of WrestleMania and I take on Roman Reigns. I don't want to see it happen, but I think that's what's going to happen. Okay? Thus, think about this. Let's just say for the sake of argument that The Rock loses to Cody. The Rock will put over on Cody bigger than ever. Cody has beaten biggest stars like Brock Lesnar. Has beaten, um, where are we at? Uh, he's beaten Damian Priest. He's beaten Shinsuke Nakamura. He's beaten several superstars in his path going into finishing his story. The Rock is going to be the biggest path of them all. You put Cody and The Rock at WrestleMania. You make sure that the stipulation is added. If they choose to do that. If Rock beats Cody, he gets the title shot and goes to WrestleMania and take on Roman Reigns. Which a lot of fans do not want to see that. But, but I think it's going to end up being Cody beating The Rock which would be the better scenario. Now, if Cody wins and beats The Rock at WrestleMania, 
then he has to freshen himself up for night two to take on Roman Reigns at WrestleMania at night two. Now, there will be interference, and obviously The Rock will be involved. The Rock will be involved. The bloodline will be involved. Seth Rollins will be involved. And what happens if one mistake occurs where, you know, something happens and then Roman Reigns ends up beating Cody? It's right back to the old scenario that we've come to know every single time. But what happens if, say, that mistake brings itself up? You know, we're back in the story here. Say if that scenario takes place and say Cody is, you know, one mistake and say The Rock is fixing to finish off Roman, fixing to finish off Cody, but then he ends up finishing Roman Reigns himself, gets out of the ring, and then lets Cody do what he has to do, right? Thus, having Cody beat Roman Reigns to take the championship from him at WrestleMania, ending the longest reign in history, ending the bloodline within, Cody becomes champion, Rock would have something to do with it, and while Cody is defending his championship in the next few PLEs, there's going to be something set up between The Rock and Roman Reigns in the future. That is what you call incredible booking, okay? Incredible booking. Now, yes, I am going all... I am pretty much laying out the plan as to how it's going to be, okay? Laying the plan as to how it's going to be. But I'm not saying all all of this will happen, all right? It's something you have to keep in mind. But nonetheless, the Grayson Waller effect, unless somebody mentions something a little bit ridiculous... Some people say that the Gracie Waller effect should have not happened. It was unnecessary. What was the point? It was pointless. No, there was a point. There was a point to it. But it could have been done on Raw. It could have been done on SmackDown. No. No. I would have rather have had that announcement take place on pay-per-view. Because number one, you get people to watch the pay-per-view. Number two, you get answers to find out exactly what's going to happen. And number three, I mean, who knows? The Rock could have shown up or, or Roman Reigns could have showed up. But since it didn't happen, Cody made his announcement, said what he said, and it's done. It was at Australia. It was at pay, on a pay-per-view. And everyone watched. You can call it pointless all you want. It had a purpose. And that purpose was to challenge The Rock. Where... And when we don't know, and I like, like I said, I'm just laying this all all out for everyone to listen to, so that way you all know exactly what I'm talking about. So, with all that being said, the Grayson Waller effect that happened, Cody Rhodes is laying out the challenge. Will the Rock accept it? And more importantly, will it take place at WrestleMania, or will it take place on Raw, or SmackDown, or any other PLE? Personally. I think The Rock is smart enough to realize he has an opportunity now. Because like I said, Cody is challenging The Rock anywhere, anytime. The Rock will accept it. But now, like I said, I don't think he'll do it, but I think he will. The Rock will accept the match, but he'll accept it at WrestleMania night one. And he will also want this. If he beats Cody... He takes his title shot and moves on to WrestleMania and take on Roman Reigns. Just like that. Just like how the plan just like how the plan is supposed to be. And Roman Reigns 
will probably either enjoy it or not. It's all a good setup. It's all a good setup. But like I said, this is all just me setting up a plan. Who knows? I could be right. I could be wrong. You know, something is going to happen. But one thing's for certain. WrestleMania is several days or several weeks away. I'm sorry. (coughs) We're already in March right now. Setting ourselves up for what is sure to be one hell of a road to WrestleMania. And I like it. I like it. It's going to be cool. So, yeah. And sorry for ranting on about this, guys. But like I said, I had a point to prove. And this proves my point very, very closely. Because like I said, if all of you people are looking at the small picture through a very big window, well, then you're not looking at this clearly. If you're looking at the big picture through a small window, then you see it now. You understand how this shit comes. So whether anybody likes it or not, night one should not be Seth Rollins and Cody taking on Roman Reigns and The Rock. No, I don't want it to happen. It's stupid. It's pointless. It's not going to get anywhere. You get Cody versus The Rock at WrestleMania, draws money, sells tickets, gets more people to watch WrestleMania. You got the biggest star in Cody in WWE, and you got the hottest superstar, the um, the Hollywood movie star, one of the board members of TKO, running the show in The Rock. This is going to be good. It's going to be epic, and it's going to be done right. But like I said before, I'm just laying the plans out. That's it. I'm just laying the plans down, and we will see what happens on our way to WrestleMania. Okay, guys, welcome to the very first WrestleMania report taking place right now here on the Main Event Talk podcast. And this episode, this segment right here of the Main Event Talk podcast, WrestleMania report is sponsored by my good friends at Rich's Billiards, 5815 Weber here in Corpus Christi, Texas. Not your average heroes. The legend continues and the barman bars and the billiards among billiards. And it's also sponsored by the Tony Gomez Show. You are the master of your own destiny. Subscribe to his podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever it is you find your favorite podcast. See all this stuff on YouTube as it happens live and on Facebook as well. Well, guys, the card is set up and now we are getting ready to launch or you know, take a ride, if you will. On the road to WrestleMania, we are done with Elimination Chamber, and now we're set to see what will take place at WrestleMania. So, with all that being said, let's talk about the couple of matches that were made official before Elimination Chamber. 
let's start with the first matchup. It was, uh, I believe it was Bailey who made the announcement. Bailey was the one that turned on her friends, or actually her friends turned on her, to say the very least. And it looks like there's going to be a little bit more to the story than meets the eye. Bailey, who is the winner of the 2024 Women's Royal Rumble, will now have an opportunity to compete for the WWE Women's Champion, and she goes after Io Sky, who currently holds on to that championship. This story is a bit interesting, and, you know, I'm curious about how this is going to go, and, uh, well, we obviously know what's about to take place with Dakota Kai, and, you know, I'm not going to play favorites in this one. Obviously, all of us see Bayley becoming champion at WrestleMania, which should be interesting because I think when you think about this, let's see, Bayley, and I could be wrong, but I think Bayley has, I think she has won a championship at WrestleMania, if I'm not mistaken, but has never, I don't think she's ever won this particular championship, but I may have to look into you know, my history archives to find out the history and everything else like that. But we know that Bailey is set to go one-on-one against Io Sky for the WWE Women's Championship. Will Damage Control play a role in this matchup? And where is Dakota Kai's allegiance lie? With Damage Control or with Bailey? We almost know the answer to that, but we'll get to that in the next few weeks to come. The next matchup that we all know and we've all been anticipating to see, we saw the press conference, we saw what took place, and we know what's going to happen. Cody versus Roman Reigns 2 for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. This is interesting, to say the very least, with a lot of scenarios. Last year, it was all about Cody wanting to finish his story, and it ended up in controversial fashion when a Bloodline member decided to interfere in the match. Now this time, things are different. Because now, Roman Reigns, yes, he is still the champion, and Cody still wants to finish his story, but the bigger picture is who is in the Bloodline, and that person is none other than the people's champion, the most electrifying man in all the sports entertainment, The Rock. He's involved. Now, we know that Cody has challenged The Rock one-on-one to a match anywhere. But we do not know if it's going to happen at WrestleMania. Now, will it happen? I'm hoping so, because it would make sense. A lot of people are still hoping for Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes to take on Roman Reigns and and, um, The Rock. But however, the main event sees it a much different way. And my predictions usually come out right, and in this case... Right means right. Other words, I say Cody versus The Rock at WrestleMania, but we'll talk about that later on. Now, another matchup that's going to take place. We know that Drew McIntyre has won the Elimination Chamber, and now he's moving on to take on Seth freaking Rollins for the World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania. Now, we know originally this was supposed to have been CM Punk going one-on-one against Seth Rollins for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, but we know that Punk is injured, and we know about the whole story behind that. So now Drew McIntyre is given another opportunity at the World Heavyweight Championship once again at WrestleMania. Will Seth Rollins drop the championship to, 
to uh, Drew McIntyre? Or will Drew McIntyre once again fall victim at the hands of Seth Rollins when he retains the championship at WrestleMania? Now, let's continue on with another matchup that's also official. We know that Becky Lynch is the winner of the 2024 Women's Elimination Chamber, and she moves on to WrestleMania. And we also know that Mommy defeated Nia Jax to retain the Women's World Championship, and now it is set for WrestleMania. The man, Becky Lynch, to go one-on-one against the Women's World Champion, Mommy herself, Rhea Ripley. Those are the matches that are set for WrestleMania. We got the World Championship on the line. We got the Women's World Championship on the line. We got the WWE Women's Championship on the line. And we also have the undisputed WWE Universal Championship on the line as well. Four championship titles that are already decided for WrestleMania. Now, let's talk about the unofficial matches that may take place at WrestleMania. Now, as we talked earlier about The Rock, possibility of The Rock taking on Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania is inevitable. It may happen, but at this point, we don't know. All I have done, and I talked about this earlier on the Main Event Talk podcast, I've made a few stipulations, I've made a few ideas, and the easy choice to be would be for The Rock to take on Cody at night one of WrestleMania, and then if The Rock gets beats Cody and takes his opportunity away from him, then it'll be The Rock taking on Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. But, like I said, this is just all pure speculation. Nothing's official as of yet. But if something changes, you will know in the next few weeks happening when we get to WrestleMania. Now, also, several things that have happened. The men's elimination chamber was interesting because of the scenarios involved. Uh, let's see. Uh, Randy Orton got knocked out at the hands of Logan Paul. Right? And AJ Styles had went into the chamber and interfered and laid out L.A. Knight. So, a couple things, and like I said, these are unofficial matches, nothing official as of yet. AJ Styles taking on L.A. Knight would be a fantastic match to check out at WrestleMania. you got two great athletes, two individuals that have came from Impact Wrestling and TNA Wrestling, of course, and one person that has already been established as a champion while L.A. Knight is looking to be a champion at some point in time. Now, let me move on. We don't know if that's going to happen at WrestleMania just yet as a singles match or more. We'll get to it in a moment. Logan Paul laid out Randy Orton, thus Drew McIntyre pinning Randy Orton to win the Elimination Chamber and move on to WrestleMania. So now there could be a setup where we see Logan Paul taking on Randy Orton one-on-one, Possibly for the United States Championship at WrestleMania. We don't know the full story behind that. We just know at this point that that is what it looks like. So, when you look at this, it's AJ Styles versus LA Knight. It's Logan Paul versus Randy Orton. Now, those two matches seem to come together for WrestleMania. Just like that. Two singles matches just like that. But, (coughs) a couple of key factors here you need to know about. Number one, what about Kevin Owens? Where does he fit in this all the, on all this picture? Does Kevin want to be involved in the United States Championship picture still? 
or are we going to get a three-way in every way possible? Or think about this scenario for a moment. And some people have been mentioning this, and I'm hoping we avoid this at all costs. Well, I, it, well it's going to happen either way if it takes place at WrestleMania. And like I said, just... Sorry, fo- follow along with me on this one so that way you know where I'm going. L.A. Knight versus A.J. Styles for WrestleMania, right? Like I said, unofficial. Logan Paul versus Randy Orton. Another match, unofficial. Where does Kevin Owens fit into this whole picture? Now, combine those two matches with Kevin Owens and you have yourself a fatal five-way match, a fatal five-way ladder match for the United States Championship, thus giving the people what they want. In other words... You get Randy Orton involved in the match. You get Logan Paul involved in the match. You get L.A. Knight, yeah, involved in the match. A.J. Styles involved. You get Kevin Owens involved. And you have yourself a star-studded lineup that will happen at WrestleMania, a fatal five-way match for the United States Championship in a ladder match. Once again, it is unofficial. Unofficial, we don't know what's going to happen. All we know is these are the matches that are being presented itself, and we could see more in the next few weeks coming in to WrestleMania. Now, more matches have not been announced just yet, but we do know that the undisputed tag team titles will probably be on the line. We may need an opponent for Gunther for the Intercontinental Championship, despite the fact that a lot of people still want to see Brock Lesnar, but we know Brock Lesnar is not going to be involved in any way, shape, or form. So there's the option is still open for the United States Championship match. The women's tag team titles have not been on the line yet. Uh, let's see. Um, other matches to be announced. Uh, the, uh, let's see. The women's matchup. I've been hearing several things about that one, including the possibility of Tiffany Stratton taking on Bianca Belair. One match that is official, unofficial as of yet. Unofficial to personally say that. Uh, let's see, Jade Cargill. I've mentioned this before, and I'll talk about it right here in the Main Event Talk podcast. I think we all know that Jade is signed with SmackDown. And my personal opinion on it is get her in a match. Get her to have a match at WrestleMania. Her first singles match at WrestleMania. And have her take on Nia Jax. In an inner promotional match, you get Nia Jax from Raw taking on Jade Cargill from SmackDown, and you have yourself an inner promotional match. It'll be the fir- it'll be um, it'll be Jade Cargill's first match, right? And you set up the point where you get you know you make Jade Cargill look good. Nia Jax doesn't really have to necessarily win at WrestleMania. You know, that's how it rolls. But like I said, it's unofficial. All I'm doing right now is laying out unofficial matches that could happen at WrestleMania. And, you know, those are it so far. We don't know what other matches will take place at WrestleMania, but we are several weeks away. We're in March right now. We're one month away from WrestleMania coming down. And I'll tell you this much right now, guys. It is looking good. It is going to be the biggest WrestleMania ever. And I'm not going to say it's going to be the greatest WrestleMania ever, but it will definitely be the greatest if things go according to plan. WrestleMania to take place over in Philadelphia, over at the Lincoln, the Lincoln, 
the Lincoln Memorial Arena, is that what it's called? Yeah, the, the football stadium where the Philadelphia Eagles play. Anyways, WrestleMania to take place live Saturday, April 6th and Sunday, April 2nd. It is a two-night PLE, and I know all of us are going to be getting ready for WrestleMania as it happens. You know the main event's going to get ready to check out WrestleMania as it is. I've already, <clears throat> I've already had... I'm already going to have Friday and... Well, I'm sorry, wait. I'm going to have Friday and Monday off. I've already decided that those two are going to be the dates that I'm going to be off for. But if my vacation comes through, then I will have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off. So actually, Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday off. So that way I'll have the full week to get ready for WrestleMania. I'm going to be looking forward to all this. Barbecue is going to be flowing like never before. The beer is going to be flowing like never before. I have already thought about, I don't know how many bottles of shots I'm going to be having for WrestleMania. I hope I don't get too fucked up. But with everything happening, it's going to be worth it because it's WrestleMania. It's going to take place in Philadelphia. And don't forget, guys, there's a lot of other things that are going to happen at WrestleMania weekend, including the WWE Hall of Fame induction ceremony. We also got NXT Stand and Deliver, which is also going to be taking place as well. And, of course, there's going to be several other events besides WrestleMania. We know that there's going to be an event happening for Ring of Honor. No doubt AEW will have something going. Impact Wrestling will probably be having something on the weekend of WrestleMania as well. A lot of stuff is going to be happening on the weekend of WrestleMania and the main event. I'm <coughs> oh, sorry. <clears throat> Talking to my trying to get all this out of the way so that way we can move on to the next segment, if you will, okay? Well, there's a lot of stuff that's going to be happening on WrestleMania weekend. And then the next few weeks to come, guys, more matches to be announced for WrestleMania, more matches to be announced for every other event that's going to be happening WrestleMania weekend is going to be the fucking shit and the main event. Cannot wait for that. And guys, like I said, check it out live as it happens. Subscribe to Peacock and check out WrestleMania night one and night two, Saturday, April 6th and Sunday, April 7th. It should be incredible. With the first WrestleMania report, I am the main event player.
Sponsored by the Tony Gomez Show, you are the master of your own destiny. Check out the Tony Gomez Show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever it is you find your favorite podcast. You can also check them out live as it happens on YouTube and on Facebook. Tomorrow, wrestling will return to the mat at the Dothan Civic Center for the first time in over a decade. The National Wrestling Alliance is bringing the Hard Times 2024 show to the Circle City. Today, crews were at the Civic Center putting up lights and putting in the finishing touches before those matches. It will be three hours of action that will showcase top stars within the NWA with all NWA titles up for grabs, including the prestigious NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. So far, two-thirds of the tickets have been purchased at the 2,700-person venue, but they hope that it fills up completely before the first bell rings tomorrow night. We want to pack this place out. We want to make sure that Dothan becomes a central hub for the National Wrestling Alliance. Me and our team here, it means the world being able to bring wrestling back to Dothan. You know, we're all really excited to have it. For us to do stuff that makes people in the city of Dothan excited, that's, why, that's the reason we come to work. Those matches are scheduled to begin tomorrow night at 7. If you miss it, you will still be able to watch the event from the Civic Center on the CW. At a later date, they are recording several future episodes of NWN. That was a little bit of local news that you just heard right there a moment ago. Uh, this happened uh, just the other day. NWA Hard Times 2024 is going to be happening tonight. And uh, uh, you, you, this is kind of, uh, well, as most of you guys probably know, the NWA is now going to be affiliated with the CW. 
and if you get the CW app, you'll be able to check out the NWA for free and check out several of the events and several of the matches that are going to happen there. Now, just to kind of save some people time, because trust me when I tell you, I think it's, well, I, I think it's ad- admirable that the NWA wants to go ahead and uh, have some of their events and some of their matches take place on the CW app and everything. But also, you can actually see them on YouTube as well, so I really don't see the point. Now, NWA Hard Times 2024 is going to be happening tonight. Now, I have been looking around, and uh, it's been a while since I've had a chance to look at some NWA wrestling and everything, and I must apologize for that because sometimes when you... You know, you, when you be keeping up with what's going on with the WWE and AEW, everybody else, you know, you know, doesn't really keep up with everything that's going on around the world of professional wrestling. So uh, the NWA doesn't get enough props to be to be talked about and everything. But I, I got a I got an interesting deal here. Okay, so NWA Hard Times is happening tonight, right? The event is um, I don't think it's sold out, at least not to my knowledge. But there are. Believe it or not, this event's happening tonight, right? It's happening tonight. There is a total, listen to this. There is a total of three matches taking place at this event. I'm not kidding. Three matches. And it's supposed to be a three-hour event, right? Supposed to be on pay-per-view. But nothing has really been confirmed about NWA having the event on pay-per-view. I have I've been trying to look around for some NWA hard time promos. I was trying to look for uh, one of those things that, you know how they show uh, a bumper where they show you the event, where it's going to take place and everything. Well, it's supposed to take place over at the the Dothan Civic Center. Uh, I believe that sounds familiar. I think that's supposed to take place over. Let me see if I can, um, because I got my stuff right here. Uh, It says here is National Wrestling Alliance take place March 2nd, which is a day, and it's over in Alabama, in Dalton, Alabama, and the event is going to take place over at the Dalton Civic Center, so that's where the event is supposed to take place, it says here, the 2024 Hard Times is up, is an upcoming Hard Times professional wrestling pay-per-view promoted by the National Wrestling Alliance, it will take place on March 2nd, at the Civic Center, you know, as I, as I talked about. So, so, this basically talks about... It doesn't really talk about the event, but this is the fourth installment of the Hard Times event. They've had a total of three Hard Times events. I remember the first one. I didn't see all of it, but I remember... Uh, uh, I think at the time, uh, I think Nick Aldis was still champion... And Camille was beginning her rise to becoming the NWA, um, the NWA uh, Women's World Champion at the time. Then they did Hard Times too, and I remember that event. And of course, then came the infamous Hard Times Three. If anybody remembers that one, but just in case you don't, this was the event where Tyrus became the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. And I had said, very beginning, and I quote, that if Tyrus wins, he's not going to get cheered, he's not going to get booed, it's going to be awkward. That's what it was. It became that. Of course, um, 
Tyrus had lost the championship to EC3 about, I would almost, what, was about a year ago, right? Or several months, but NWA 75 was what, around August when that took place? Yeah, okay, well, anyways, let me um, enlighten everybody on the three matches that are going to happen. This is going to be interesting because three matches... For a three-hour event, I mean, what? And, and and plus they got the countdown show going, so this is gonna be interesting. Now, also on the same night, um, no doubt there's probably several other wrestling events that I've not checked out yet, but we'll have to look into it. There's also supposed to be a Jake Paul fight happening tonight, so I mean, I'm gonna be focused on that a little bit. Uh, of course, uh, AEW is gonna have Collision. We're gonna be talking about uh, Revolution later on, but let me get into the three matches here. So, uh, let's see. Singles match for the NWA Women's World Championship. Kenzie Page defending against Natalia Markova. Let me tell you something. I'll say this because it's true. I hope, I hope to God that Natalia Markova wins. This, there's a reason why I want her to win. Number one, I think she's a beautiful and sexy and attractive woman. All right? That's one. Number two, she is very talented in the ring, and she had competed against the best. She was very close to beating Camille for the title. Okay? As far as I'm concerned, that woman deserves to be the champion no matter what. And and to me, and to be fair, to be extremely fair, Kinsey Page does not deserve to be the champion. No. Listen. Listen to me. I don't care what anyone says. This girl is a talented individual, but she is not ready to take on the role of being a women's champion. When she was the women's world television champion, I can buy that. I think her reign should have lasted longer than 10 months, maybe a year. I don't know. All of a sudden, this woman becomes a champion and she beats Camille. Are you fucking kidding? This little fucking girl... Beats Camille. Give me a damn break. Markova, as far as I'm concerned, if she wins, then that's one problem that the NWA will will fix. EC3 being champion, don't have a problem with that. Markova being the champion will work. But we'll have to see how this rolls out. Hopefully I get a chance to look at it. I haven't seen much of the NWA lately, but I've heard some... I've heard some rumblings. I've heard some talks. I may need to look into it just a little bit more to see where all this is going. (coughs) Okay, so next one is a tag match. La Rosa Negra and Ruthie J to take on Rekka Tehaka. Rekka Tehaka, right? And Tiffany Neves. I believe I know who those women are. I think. (laughs) And a steel cage match. And I believe it's... Let's see. It consists of... Mike Knox and Trevor Murdoch. Taking on... The Southern Six of Alex Taylor... And Carrie Morton... With Ricky Morton in their corner. So... So far, these are the only matches that are happening... On NWA Hard Times... 2024. Not exactly the biggest event ever 
But those are the matches that are going to happen at the event. Now, no doubt, there'll probably be more matches to be announced. I don't know who's going to be involved. I haven't heard anything about EC3. I haven't haven't heard anything about the Tag Team Champions. I haven't heard anything about anything in this event. So, you know, I know they've been promoting... <clears throat> I know they've been promoting NWA Hard Times 4. They have promoted it for the past few months, right? I think. And they haven't really shown anything that shows me I want to see the pay-per-view. Now... To the average wrestling fan, they wouldn't give a shit about this. They really wouldn't. But for someone like me that's been a wrestling fan for a long time, I want to give it a shot. And the only reason why I want to give it a shot is because while people like Dave Meltzer, the Wrestling Observer and all that stuff, while they're focused on the bigger events, and I can understand why, while people are focused on the bigger events, people like myself want to try and at least promote this event as it's happening. Because we're wrestling fans, all right? Well, I don't give a shit about this. It's the NWA. They suck. So what? It's a wrestling event. You're a wrestling fan, okay? You're supposed to promote something like this. Now, I do have my limits. I don't have a problem with the NWA. I don't have a problem with TNA Wrestling, WWE, AEW, any other event that will show wrestling in some way, shape, or form. Any other promotion, I may mention them. I may try to mention them. But it won't be to my distinct because I wouldn't give a shit about any of those other promotions anyway. I'm just going to give a damn about the ones that I put out. But anyways, uh, NWA Hard Times 2024 is going to happen on pay-per-view. And um, like I said, there's there's only three matches. And they, and they also have a countdown show happening, which I, I, well, I don't think... Well, because they said this is going to be a televised event or taped event. So I'm guessing that they're... Because it's a, it says it's a pay-per-view event. I haven't looked at the schedule. I may need to find out if they're actually going to put it on... Uh, I think it's... Well, it's Fight TV, but I think it's called Thriller TV now. I think they should have it on the event. I'm not sure. But I may need to look into it more. But if I hear anything about it, guys, if I hear any more matches about NWA Hard Times, I will let you know right here on the Main Event Talk podcast. This is... Uh, <laughs> uh, this this is what I do, folks. I put out the wrestling and everyone talks about it. Yeah, that's how it goes. But check out NWA Hard Times 2024. Live, maybe on pay-per-view. I'm not sure, but you know, we'll just have to find out. Sure. I mean, like, um, you know, Lance and I, we've been in contact some in the last couple weeks. And obviously, I've heard um, some of the comments that you've made. And I guess one of the things, I actually, um, about a week ago or so, I talked to Bret Hart. And we were kind of discussing Brett. Brett was very, very vocal when he read the lawsuit. Um, and you might have seen his comments. But the one thing he said was that, you know, almost, he was surprised that like almost nobody in wrestling was. And of course you were. But and I told him, I go, you know, well, Lance Storm. And he goes, yeah, me and Lance Storm. But how come nobody else? And I really didn't have a good answer for that other than the obvious answer, which is nobody. You know, Vince has that aura and nobody wants to cross Vince, for whatever reason, or whatever it is, I don't, I don't know. But what's kind of like your, your perspective on everything? And also, I would, I would the thing I'd like to know is like, when this thing, when when the lawsuit broke, like what when you and you read it, or if you or or released the excerpts and everything, how did did you have an immediate reaction to it? And was it a surprise or or kind of give me kind of your your mindset of reading the lawsuit? 
Yeah, I read the entire thing. That was the first thing I did, figuring that probably best to read the damn thing before talking. But it was weird in that, and I think the way I put it the first time was, never in a million years did I expect to read something like that. But at no point reading it, did I doubt it. And and I, I guess it's, it read so Vince. Yeah. Just on the sexual end rather than just the, you know what I mean? It's like he does like to bully people. He does like power. He does like control. It's just added that, you know, the element of how he treated a woman in this case. And it's like at no point did I think that just doesn't sound like him, which is horrifying, I guess. But it's it was shocking, and it and it read so textbook grooming and sexual predator behavior. And you know, we we hear about it when you hear about different cult leaders that do it. And in a weird way, I think that's where it struck me, because people have joked for years that you know all the cult speak of WBE. They make you speak a certain language. They make you conduct yourself a certain way. And, you know, we all joke that it's the wrestling cult, but it's like it it is all about power and control. And, you know, we've all heard the stories of him bullying people and shoving them into his pool and yeah, right. forcing you to talk a certain way and say the certain buzzwords. And it's always been about control. And when it's just, OK, he's controlling you at work and he wants you to talk the way you want to talk on his television show. It's like, OK, whatever, you know, he's a bit controlling, but who cares? But when you realize the depths of how he was treating some women, and obviously with multiple NDAs, and I guess I would have been aware of the Rita Chatterton accusation from ages ago, but it's when it all comes together and you read the details of her case and the other NDAs and, the again, the rape settlement from court with uh, Rita Chatterton, it's just like you realize that I guess what a what a horrible person on so many levels he was because I'm sorry I just didn't doubt anything I read even though I never would have expected it. Yeah, I um it was weird because like like uh, there's there was a lot of I I'm, I you know I, I've seen a lot of lawsuits, you know, especially in, involving WWE. And in the past, a lot of them kind of fell through because of Jerry McDivitt or other things. So I'm always skeptical reading, you know, like, and I, and I know and everything. So, so it's like, I'm, I'm not taking sides. The thing that really turned me was the text messages. Mm-hmm. I saw the text messages. It's like, that's Vince McMahon text messages. That's, 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 that's how he would write a letter. That's, you know what I mean? And it's like, those are real. And, and obviously they were real because you could never, if you put that in, in a lawsuit, these text messages, and they weren't real, the lawsuit would be out, you know, in, in minutes, right? I mean, like, and the, the lawyer would be, you know, just sanctioned to death. So just seeing that alone gave incredible credence to um, maybe not every single thing, but enough to where it kind of like really appalled me. And you know, one of the things with the, with the Vince stuff with me is is that over the years, you know, obviously covering Vince for forty plus years, that um, you know the um, the you know you get these stories every couple of years and everything, 
Um, and you should, you know, and, and I think what, what ended up happening was, is that I, it kind of like hit a button with me, like, wait a minute, there's all these stories and, um, there's all these NDAs and it's like, I was thinking about Bill Cosby, who Garrett and I have talked about many times before, who had this fantastic reputation and then the dam broke and then it was like all of this stuff. And I, and I always thought if it's one person, you, you never know, right? But when it's multiple people, you you have to look at it differently. And the the, the burden of, of um, belief is going to go with multiple people over one person, no matter how many times he defends himself. Um, and, you know, again, the, the texts were just like, I, I just thought like, who, who would write stuff like that? You know what I mean? It's like, it's like it was, um, you know, I mean, I could almost sort of see like a 16-year-old boy or a 17-year-old boy to a degree. But even then, you know, only like one-tenth of that. That was really bad stuff. And, and it, you know, and I think like this company has been run by this guy, you know, with everyone catering to him for how many years, for 40 years or whatever it's been, for a little over 40 years. And, and what happened was is he got to where he was immune from the real world, I think, and just thought he could, because he had money, because he had power, that he could do literally anything, you know, and everybody would cater to him. And, and unfortunately with the wrong person with that kind of power, it, it, I think it, it yields this result to a degree, but even then, even then it was, it was really extreme, I guess. Yeah, it, it was. And I, I want to touch on, you know, Jim Valley. Um, Cause you know, he was, is still, I would imagine, you know, so against, you know, it's the company, it's the system. And while I certainly won't dispute that, I think th the rest of the company still needs to be investigated and judged. But I think there is, when you are from, like, literally day one, like, I'm talking before WWE, like, I broke in the kayfabe era, and we're taught everything is dealt within the business. Do not talk to anyone outside the business about anything. You can be blackballed. Your career is over. It's the business first. And then when you get in, it's, you know, the boys against the office. Don't stooge to the office. Don't stooge to the office. We deal with each other. And then when you get to WWE, it's like, you know, WWE is it. Nothing you did anywhere else matters. And you're trained to, you know, pledge fealty to Vince McMahon. Everything goes through Vince, you know, protect, protect, protect in-house. That when you... Again, you see a little bit of bullying, and it's like if you can do something in that moment to help that person, maybe you do. But again, you don't want to stooge anyone off. You don't go outside of the business. So what each person saw, like again, I was in WWE for what, four years and then four months when I was an agent. I was actually employed by WWE when the uh, Janelle Grant thing was going on. But obviously she was not at shows, so I never met the woman I don't believe. I have no idea who she is. But you see a lot of bullying. And again, you know, you see the Trish Stratus bark like a dog thing, and you go, that's really ignorant. And you see a lot of stuff. But it's it's wrestling, right? Which is a shit excuse. But it's nothing that you can call the cops on. There's nothing, and where do you go in WWE if it's like, okay, Vince is being an ass to somebody? It's like, unless you're willing to quit your job and go to the cops, what do you do? 
And obviously, you know, with the the Ashley Massaro thing really hit me. The the recent um yeah, me, 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 you know, it's funny, it's funny when that, that first came out, I thought it was like very questionable and yes. and, and from a from a sleazy lawyer. But then everything that's come out recently, you know, and, and, and certain other aspects that haven't come out that I'm aware of, um, made it you know, very obvious that it happened. And it happened mostly, probably close to exactly how she said it, most likely, and if not ex- exceedingly close. And when, you know, you you kind of go through that with everything else, it's kind of like, I mean, could, could I see Vince having a meeting with her going like, well, you know, we get so much out of our relationship with the military, just be quiet and 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 but but the the, the part was, was weird to me now is in, in hindsight you know not years ago is they never offered her even therapy let alone were sympathetic with her situation and and it's like okay you know you you want to cover it up and you know that, that's bad enough but when you just go in there and it's like i just roll with the punches you know what i mean because that's essentially what don't tell anyone and roll with the punches is is one thing if it's something minor, right? And you probably had a million things in your career where you say, hey, I'm just gonna roll with the punches. I'm in the wrestling business. But but not not like rape. You know, that's like that's a different a whole different ballgame. Yeah, and I was like you when I when I heard the first, you know, years ago when the Ashley Massaro thing came out, the thing that hit me that I just couldn't fathom was when in the lawsuit she said that they left her behind when they came home. I was I, I just couldn't fathom that a company, any company, find the shittiest company in the world, would leave one of the talent behind. Because I've I've never done an appearance for a major company that there isn't at least one or two office people that stay with you the whole time. And I just couldn't fathom that. I'm like, that's a bridge too far to me to buy. And then I find out it's true. Yeah. And then you feel like shit for doubting the 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 story in the first place. But the fact that I think the wording was don't let a bad situation ruin our relationship with the military. And it's like a bad situation is, you know, getting stiffed on a payday. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, or having someone, you know, you know, shoot punch you in the face on purpose and break your nose. It's like, okay, it's a shit situation, but being drugged by a stranger and raped. Like, I just, like you say, I could see, and again, I'm not, justifying it or saying it was right i could see if she was scared and not really gung-ho with we need to report this we need to find this bastard i could see a company going well if you're willing to you know but we'll get you therapy we'll do anything you like how can we take care of you and if she's willing to not blow the whistle i could see a company being fine with that but to not support like you take a person overseas and something that horrendous happens to them and you don't bend over backwards to do anything and everything you can for that person. It's just mind blowing to me. This is Stay. My very last match. Sure about Sting is my retirement is for 
ECW Revolution taking place tomorrow night. And it is the final time we're going to see Sting in the ring. AEW Revolution happening over at the Greensboro Coliseum. Uh, a site of many, many great wrestling events that have taken place over the years. And I know Sting has definitely been a part of all of those events, including Ric Flair and several others. And uh, Revolution is not exactly like the the eye-opener for everyone to look into. Because with everything that's been going on in the WWE, with everything that's been going on with the WWE lately... Uh, AEW's Revolution, it is a good, it's a good event. It's not exactly the greatest event in the world, considering many people are still complaining about it. Right now, I'm looking at this, and there is a total of, from what I'm looking at, 10 matches altogether. And no doubt, I know there's some more matches coming later on today but we'll talk about it in a moment here. The It looks like there's going to be a countdown show that's going to happen, the Zero Hour, as they call it. Julia Hart and Sky Blue versus Chris Dantlander and Willow Nightingale with Stokely Hathaway in their corner. Uh, well, a couple things here. Number one, it is a countdown show. My prediction on this matchup is... Well... Okay, let me give you my thought on this one. Julia Hart, sexy. Sky blue, sexy as hell with a beautiful ass. That's my opinion. Uh, Chris Statlander, the big star among all of them. And Willow Nightingale, of course, a great talent and everything. Stokely Hathaway. I like him a little bit, but, you know, it's just... Just, just to say the very least and everything else like that. But... Um, yeah, uh, I'm going to go with Chris Statlander and Willow Nightingale to win the match. That's that's all I can say about the tag match. You know, that's it. Now, no doubt there's going to be more matches to come in the countdown show. So as I'm recording this episode, I'm recording this right before Revolution takes place tomorrow. So as for, like I know right now, there's like 10 matches. There'll probably be more um later on, but we'll find out because AEW has always had a bad tendency of of producing more matches along the way. Alright, so let's look into this matchup. An all-star scramble match. The winner will receive a future AEW World Championship match. And this consists of Chris Jericho, Wardlow, Powerhouse Hobbs, Lance Archer, Hook, Brian Cage, and most recently, Magnus from the CMLL is now a part of this matchup. And we have one more match, one more person to fill the slot. And let's see here. It's uh, it's going to be a triple threat match. And uh, I don't think they mentioned who the participants are. But I know that one of them is uh, Brian Keith, right? That that The guy, I mean, I, I, I remember the, the Bounty Hunter, I believe that's the name. And there's two other individuals that are involved. I forgot who, but uh, whoever wins that match will be coming in and filling up the last slot here on here. Now, now <laughs> here's, here's what I heard. Okay, I know some people have asked about the... 
Oh, God, and I got to talk about this. The Meat Madness match. This is what I heard. They were going to put Wardload in with Lance Archer and Powerhouse Hobbs, right? And a few other men involved. One was Keith Lee, but he's injured. And the other was, there was one more. I forgot who it was. They wanted to call it a Meat Madness match. And, you know, I, oh, God. I, you know, I really find it stupid. And I'm being honest here. I find it very stupid that you would want to have, I don't mind big men. I don't mind big men. But that the problem with it is there are too many people that are calling them beefy and meaty and all it's like are you fucking gay or something? Are you out of your fucking mind? Look, I don't mind big men. All right? I don't mind uh men of of height, uh, uh 6 foot 8, uh 325 pounds, okay? I don't mind wrestlers like that, okay? I don't mind at all. But when you decide to mention the words meat, my my first thought is, okay, are we are we putting some stuff in the barbecue? Are we going to have a little meat madness going on? Hey, we got the grill going, you know, we can go ahead. Now I'm not talking about that kind of meat. It's like, "Oh god, are you fucking serious?" You know, it's I'm glad that Tony Khan... Well, I'm glad somebody decided to be... To have the right call and say, we're not going to have a meet... Well, well, we still wanted a, a meet Matt in this match. No, I don't want... No, I don't mind big men in a match. I don't mind, but quit quit with this meat. We want meat, we want meat. A meaty, meaty. What's that? Oh, come on. Give me a fucking break here. Listen, if there's a room full of women that would say stuff like that, then I can buy it, okay? If a woman would say it, then I can buy it. When a guy says it's like, dude, are you fucking gay? Are you serious? You really want his meat? Are you serious? You want to suck down on that fucking meat? Are you out of your fucking mind? Jesus, fuck. You know what? I'm so glad that I love women because I'm not going to look at women as meat, Okay? Anyways, the point is, point is, point is. Well, at least I know what I'm looking at, all right? These guys, on the other hand, that want to allow, we want meat in the match. Okay, what you want, some prime rib or pork chops. I'm not that kind of meat, you stupid bastard. But anyways, let me, let me, let me get out of this mode before I go completely insane. Okay, don't know who's going to win this match. Do not give a fuck. If they let Wardlord win, I'll be like, you've got to be out of your mind. If they let Powerhouse Hots win, why? Lance Archer, are you kidding me? Brian Cage, oh, God. Chris Jericho, been there, done that. Oh. Oh, shit. You know, it just occurred to me who's going to actually win. (laughs) It just occurred to Am I the only one who sees this now? I have this strange feeling. I mean, if 
if Wardlow wins, that's not going to be a surprise. But if Hook wins, if Hook wins, I'll be like, okay, that's it. That's what you want. That's how it's going to go. Cool. We'll go with Hook. This one, tag team match. FTR taking on the Blackpool Combat Club of John Moxley and Claudio Cascinoli. You know, um, I saw the match that they had a couple of weeks ago on Dynamite, right? And my first thought was, FTR is going to beat them. But then my thought was, oh, wait, what happens if, what happens if the Blackpool Combat Club beats them? Right? What happens if that happens? I don't think it will, but I'll be very surprised. I will be very, very, very surprised. So, all of a sudden, it ended up at a double countout. These two had a brawl. These two won a match. It's going to be at Revolution. And my thought was, okay, there you go. You added the match. And I'll tell you this right now. If John Moxley and Claudio try to beat FTR, and I, tr- I say try to beat FTR, I'll be very amazed. But I still I still see FTR beating John Moxley, beating Claudio, because, number one, they're a way better tag team, and number two, am I the only one that realizes that FTR should be the one having Sting's last match? That's just my opinion. That's just my thought. So I'm going with FTR to win over John Moxley, This match will last about a total of 30 minutes. And there's going to be nothing but kickouts. And the only person I see losing to this match would be Claudio. You see that coming. Okay. Next matchup, Christian Cage. Going one-on-one against the Prodigy. What? I'm sorry. Oh, Nick Garcia. I'm sorry. Um, Okay, let let me say that one more time. Christian Cage defending the TNT Championship against Daniel Garcia. Now, you're going to find this very funny. I think we'll see Daniel Garcia walk away with the championship. I hope it happens. I really do. But also, also, this is my thing, and this is what my mindset is looking at here, two things are going to go down. Either we see Daniel walk away with that championship, or Christian retains the championship. But hear me out. What if Daniel Garcia loses because of Edge, or Adam Copeland, if you will? Or what if Christian loses the championship to Daniel Garcia because of Adam Copeland. I think what needs to happen, and I think this makes a lot of sense, is to put the title on Danielson, on Danielson, put the title on Garcia because, number one, I think we need a new fresh face for the championship. Number two, I think he truly deserves it. And number three, we need to see this feud between Edge and Christian go in a different direction. And I kind of see that direction happening at double or nothing. But we will see how this rolls. We will see how this rolls. But nonetheless, I say Daniel Garcia to win the TNT Championship 
Christian Cage winning the championship would not be a surprise, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Daniel Garcia. I'm gonna see how this goes, see how this rolls, and everything. This next matchup right here, I'm gonna be looking forward to checking it out, and I know that some people are definitely gonna be looking forward to checking this out. Kanoshka Takeshka will take on Will Osprey, who will make his. He's been in AEW a few times before. But this will be his AEW debut coming into this company uh, after being a part of New Japan Pro Wrestling for a very, 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 very long time. It's going to be interesting to stay, to say the very least. It's going to be great. I see this matchup coming up as like maybe, what, a 20, 30-minute match? Probably a 30-minute match, to be fair. And obviously, we're going to see Will Ospreay win the match. And... I'm curious about what the Don Callis family is going to do. I'm real curious about how that shit's going to roll, you know? I mean, we all know that the fans like Will Ospreay. They want him to be, you know, away from the Don Callis family. We will see how all this turns out at the end. But I'm going with Will, I'm going with Will Ospreay to beat Kenosha Takeshka. That's going to be the highlight of the night. Singles match for the Continental Crown Championship. And let's see. If Danielson... Well, I'll mention the matchup right here. Eddie Kingston, the champion, going one-on-one against Brian Danielson. If Brian Danielson loses, he has to shake Kingston's hand. This is a match where I say, okay. Okay. That's it. I mean... Look, I like Kingston. This ma- this championship has no meaning of any kind. Zero. Not a damn thing. Right? Danielson is hurt, broken, killed by a, a bread truck or something like that. And all I can say is, let Eddie win. Because we see it coming anyway. And plus, this match has no meaning. Well... It has some meaning, but just the championship alone is useless. The championship alone is useless. There's no point in... Look, listen. You're combining two championships along with one other championship. Ring of Honor does not have a world champion, which I kind of find that to be very funny. But I don't know. All I know is let Eddie win. That's... Because it it doesn't, this match doesn't really lift my spirits up and tell me, let it happen. I see a good fight going, but it's like, it's nothing out of the ordinary that I see. Okay? (sighs) This one will be interesting. AEW Women's World Championship as Timeless Tony Storm defends her championship against Deanna Perrazzo. This will be a good women's match. I see it going far, and Tony Storm will be the obvious winner because I doubt Deanna Perrazzo will be able to win the championship. You see it coming, I see it coming too. That's how it goes. This one, a triple threat match for the AEW... What is it? Oh, sorry. A triple threat match for the AEW World Championship. Samoa Joe versus Hangman Adam Page versus Swerve Strickland. Let me tell you what I think. Swerve does not deserve to be the champion. Don't get your hopes up. 
Hangman Adam Page, why is he in it? Who cares? Samoa Joe, he's the champion. He's the winner. He wins. He beats him. He chokes out Hangman Adam Page. That is how it fucking goes. And we move on. You know why? Because this match really, once again, doesn't mean a fucking thing. It really, really doesn't. I like Joe as a champion. I would have loved it for him to be him and Swerve Strickland maybe, but then again, I don't want Swerve to lose. I don't. In the process, I think something needs to change with Swerve. We already know about where Hangman's going. Something needs to change with Swerve. And to all the people, and especially to all of my black African-American friends, who are going to be upset that Swerve Strickland's not going to be the champion, I got news for you. When you have been a wrestling fan for a long time, and when you see the outcome of how this goes, and when you know the limitations of a man like Samoa Joe, who has held on that championship for only a few months, you know eventually that Joe is not going to lose that championship yet until the right contender comes along. I don't think Hangman's going to do it. I don't think Swerve Strickland's going to do it. It's all Joe, okay? It's all Samoa Joe. That's all you have to know from here on out. Joe, to retain the championship at Revolution. Oh, God. I go from a match that some people may or may not care about to, oh, dear fucking God. (sighs) Okay, let's get it out of the way. Singles match for the International Championship. (laughs) Keep in mind, it's not in this order. It's going to be the members of the Undisputed Kingdom, right? Roderick Strong, who is a member of the Undisputed Kingdom, alongside with two members of the Kingdom of Matt Taven and Mike Bennett, to take on the champion... Say it with me now. Orange Cassidy. Say say it one more time, but with meaning. Say it one more time, if you will. Say it loud and proud. Yeah. Orange Cassidy. <coughs> okay. Do I really need to say anything about this match? Here is how it goes. Orange Cassidy retains a championship. Who gives a shit? Roderick Strong becomes the new AEW International Championship. A champion. Eh. That's how this is. The International Championship really doesn't... Because much like, much like the Continental Championship... It doesn't mean a fucking thing. It really doesn't. Orange Cassidy is walking around with the championship with his pockets in his fucking ass. And he is... You know, could you imagine if this idiot was the world champion? I mean, it would show AEW how badly, how badly... The company... I mean, the company is already going through a very bad time right now. We're trying to figure out exactly where all of its fucking roster is supposed to go. Where the Undisputed Kingdom is supposed to go. Where uh, 
uh, the Bullet Club, the Acclaim, and, and all this. It's just... This match. <laughs> all I can say is, look, Orange Cassidy wins. Eh. Roderick Strong. Eh. Do I want to watch this match? I'll be in the restroom for 10 to 15 minutes. That's all you have to know. Okay. Oh, dear God. Do we really need to talk about that? <laughs> okay. Now, uh, I'm going to save this one for last right here. Because, and we'll talk about it in just a moment. Um, I want to get into something real quick. Uh, just a little bit of music before we get into what we need to talk about here. And it is the final match. Uh, <clears throat> and obviously, we know what the final match is, but I'll save it, you know, for everyone who, you know, wants to check it out. Because all, all I could say is I, I have a lot to say about this, and I want to say it in, in a way that, that is more fitting, that is more perfect, that is more main event to, to give it to the man that's done it all. So let's get into some music. And we'll be right back talking about the final match. Sting's last match at AEW Revolution.
What's going on? Furman Torres here for the Main Event Talk Podcast. And as you know, this episode and any episode that I do is sponsored by my good friends at Rich's Billiards over at 5815 Weber here in Corpus Christi, Texas. If you feel a need to go out and shoot some pool, have yourself a good time, jam out to some music and hang out with some friends, well, Rich's Billiards is definitely the place for you. And if you want something good to eat, Pinkies is definitely the place for you. You can go there, you can have their hot dogs, you can have their hamburgers, you can have their wings, and the main event definitely recommends the wings, especially when it comes to Pinkies. They make it as good as anybody, and not to mention the fact that their chili dogs and their hot dogs are extremely, extremely good to eat. Get a chance to eat it over at Pinkies, and if you go there, tell them that the main event talk sent you to Pinkies over here at Rich's Billiards, 5815 Weber. Not your average heroes, the barman bars and the billiards among billiards. You can come in anytime you want, Monday through Sunday, and check it out every single chance you get in. If you want to check out some boxing, UFC, or even WWE, Rich's Billiards will definitely be the place to go to check out all those events and much, much more. And there's going to be several live events that will happen at Richard's Billiards in the next coming weeks. And be ready, because the Main Event Talk podcast will cover anything that you need to know about Richard's Billiards. I am the Main Event player, the Super C Kid himself, and I approve this message. If you guys have any questions in regards to the show, all you have to do is go to my email address at themainevent1977 at gmail.com. That's the main event, 1977 at gmail.com. Any suggestions in regards to the show, anything in regards to anything about professional wrestling or music or anything that you have in mind, all you got to do is go to the email address at the main event, 1977 at gmail.com, and I will be glad to mention it on the next episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast. Every generation stares into a moment of transformation. When it comes to playing out a revolution, there can only be one champion. This is that moment. Sting, it's time to say goodbye. I really don't think you guys understand what you got yourselves into. The fight of your life. My very last This is Countdown to Revolution. about, you know, Sting might sign with A.W. Now, really? Sting is a guy that I thought was done. He came in unannounced, and they hit him. I'm sitting there at the table with Excalibur and JR, and the music hits, the crow comes up, you see the snow, and the fans still are not sure.
really mean that. He's an icon to many generations of wrestling fans and wrestlers as well. 50 years that I've been in the business, he'll be respected as one of the 10 best of all time. Strange to think that every town that I do is the last time I'll be in this town to actually wrestle. If I do a stinger splash, it'll be the last stinger splash. If I put the scorpion death lock, the scorpion death drop, it'll be the last ones in these towns. So it's kind of a weird, weird thought. It's starting to hit home, especially here in LA. There's not many guys, 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, 2010, and now here we are in the 20s, and Sting still has an influence and presence. My very first match with AEW was Revolution 2021. I put he and Steamboat on the same level as being two guys that are almost too nice to of them in our business. He's that, he's that special guy. My very last match. It's a sad day, but a good day because that man is getting his flowers and, you know, going out on top, basically. Very few people in this business are able to walk away under their own terms. Will be Revolution 2024. In this case, Revolution 2024, the Icon Sting will call it a career. You can't really quantify charisma. You can't really quantify integrity. Sting has always brought the intangibles. And most importantly, he's been true to the wrestling fan. He's out there to entertain the fans. Because you want to show younger talent that there is a way to do things. There is a way to work hard. There is a way to be successful. It was very special for me to have him here because, you know, that man was a big part of my childhood. Sting showed the whole locker room how to be a professional and how to handle this business. I hope all the young guys got to see that and understand that. Anytime you have an opportunity to have a guy like Steve Brown, got a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of information, a guy like that to just really make the company look good. He always has like this positive aura, a positive attitude about him that nobody else really has. He just feels different. His willingness to still go out there and put his body on the line gives you a sense of, you know what, man? Like, I, I need to get off my rear end and live up. In the latter part of his career, in the final couple of years, he was not looking out for just himself and get himself over. He was also helping give, as we say in the business, give the rub to one of the great young stars in Darby Allen. That says a lot about Steve Borden, the man. My tag team partner, Darby Allen, the best tag team partner that I've ever had. Sting's been really good for Darby because Darby's been through a lot in his life. Sting is that good reassurance that someone like Darby can gravitate to. When you teach and you lead from the front, the learning curve is faster. And you look at Darby's rise to stardom, I don't think you have the Darby we have today without Sting. The only thing for sure about Sting is 
my retirement is for sure. Any professional athlete, one thing that's very important to them is to go out on their terms. It's been known for the last couple of years, this may be the last time, this may be the last time. Well, in Greensboro, it is the last time, and that's what makes that night so special. Sting will walk away, and 40-plus years, very few people can say that. For your final match, who will your opponent be? Sting, you poison the well. It's time to say goodbye to you and everybody like you. to save this last one here. Of all the AEW matches that will take place at Revolution, no doubt it'll be a great pay-per-view. You know, there's there's just some that just won't really stick out and, and some that really will have a purpose and meaning. This match right here, Sting's last match, to take place at Revolution tomorrow is going to be pretty interesting. It's going to be, um, I'm not sure if the words uh, mysterious will come to mind, you know, 
but it's going to be um, <clears throat> it's going to be good to check out. And before we talk about it, you know, I followed Sting's career for a very, very long time. You know, and uh, the first time I ever heard about Sting was probably uh, I would say probably. 80, 89, 90, I think, when I first heard about him, right? I had heard that um, at the time I was, uh, as a kid, I was watching the WWF and I was also watching, well, at the time it was still called the NWA, when uh, I think it was, I know, I remember it was February. Uh, it was in 1990. They had an event here called the Clash of Champions. Clash of Champions 10. And it took place at the very old Memorial Coliseum, right? And in that, it contained... Uh, there were several great matches that happened in that event. Uh, one segment that everybody remembers quite well was the one where Sting was a member of the Four Horsemen at the time. And then he was uh, subsequently kicked out. <laughs> Because of the of the um, of the title shot that he had against Ric Flair, when they kicked him out of the Four Horsemen, he later appeared at the end of the show, where Sting, uh, I believe, was trying to climb up to the cage and get his hands on Ric Flair, and I think when he fell out, uh, when he fell from the not from the cage, well, from the cage, but like when he came to the ground, I guess apparently he. Uh, tore his leg up, right? And that was uh, leading to Sting going to the hospital. I remember having several friends that were there at that event when it took place and actually being at the hospital when it when it happened, when Sting was, you know, being evaluated. Sting was supposed to be, and just to kind of give you a little wrestling history here, um, Sting was originally supposed to have a match with Ric Flair at the Wrestle War 90 pay-per-view. But when Sting had his <clears throat> leg removed, or not leg removed, but hurt his leg, he really couldn't do anything. So they had to set it back and let Lex Luger be the one to take on Ric Flair. So several months later, when Sting got rehabilitated, he had a match with Ric Flair. He beat him at the Great American Bash in 1990 and became world champion, which would be his first world title he would ever get. Right, and it is amazing that you know we see all these title matches that have happened in Sting's career. You know, I followed it when it was NWA, when it turned into WCW, <clears throat> and everything. Sting had been a part of everything that took place in WCW for many, many years. He had won countless championships over there. He's uh, has had many great matches with several great individuals from the likes of Ric Flair to Lex Luger to Ravishing Rick Rude, uh, Hulk Hogan even, and, and that and so forth. And his last match in WCW took place in 2000, 2001, right when the business <clears throat> <coughs> right when the business was about to go down. We were all hoping for Sting to show up in WWE. But it didn't happen. So Sting would end up showing up in a newer promotion, which would be called TNA Wrestling. And at the time, 
Sting made a few brief appearances, I think it was in 2004, right? And then Sting would commit to being a part of TNA Wrestling in 2006, uh, where he would uh, spend, let's see, 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Um, at that time, Sting was, um, he had won championships over there. Uh, he had had great matches with several contenders there from the Samoa Joes to the AJ Styles to Jeff Jarrett, uh, Jeff Hardy. There were several great matches that Sting had over in his career. And, uh, you know, it was uh, about that time. His last match was with EC3. And at that time, EC3 was a young competitor. Um, I remember when he was part of NXT, and then he becomes a part of uh, Impact Wrestling to the point where all of a sudden EC3 would beat Sting in a very undecisive match. You know, you know, and I didn't really want to see Sting go out like that. But in the process, my thought was, okay, this was the moment, this is the time, this is going to be the place. The only thing I'm hoping that will happen is Sting show up in WWE. And that's what a lot of people over the years have asked me. Do you see Sting coming to WWE? Do you see it happening and everything else like that? To go further... Or to go back a little bit. Because <clears throat> EC3 beat Sting, I think it was 2013 or 14, I believe, was when he beat him. But prior to it, there was this thing that happened in WWE called 2211. Right? It was a date where a lot of people were speculating that it was Sting. But also people were speculating that it was The Undertaker, which there was, you know, a whole lot of... <clears throat> deals going along with it, which didn't happen, and of course it ended up being The Undertaker, and ended up being Triple H, and that was the purpose of 221.11. And it was kind of a disappointment there, because I really wanted to see Sting become a part of WWE. I thought it would make the biggest difference. It didn't happen then, but in November of 2014, when he finally appeared in WWE television, when he finally appeared at Survivor Series... It was considered the greatest debut ever in WWE history. To me, one of the greatest debuts in Survivor Series history. I mean, there have been a, a there have been a lot of tremendous um, Survivor Series debuts. Uh, you think of the Shield. You think of the Undertaker. Um, the, uh, there was another one I was going to say, but the one that really stuck out was Sting. Sting making his debut. In WWE, and it was shocking because I had a feeling he was going to go. I mean, the hint, the biggest hint of them all, was when the 2K, I believe it was 2K14, the video game that came out and had Sting on there. And I'll tell you, when when Sting was on there, boom, that that was it. I mean, he he was on his way. I don't think Sting was going to actually show up just yet, but he was going to show up in WWE somehow, and he did. When he showed up, when he came out of Survivor Series, it was just, my God, I could not believe what I was watching. I couldn't <clears throat> I couldn't believe that it was Sting, and I see him right there face-to-face with Triple H in the middle of the ring, and the crowd was just chanting, this is awesome. They were chanting, holy shit, because they were not believing what they were seeing.
they were not none of us. All the times my brother had kept saying, oh, Sting's coming, dude, Sting's coming, dude, Sting's coming. He's always said that. But at at the time, this was years ago, you know, because there was always like, always these, you know, who's coming over here, who's coming over here, oh, Sting's coming, Sting's coming, it's never happened. Then when Sting finally shows up, I'm, hey, Rick, look, who it is, it's Sting. <laughs> and he finally shows up. Sting had a a lengthy run in WWE. Um, I think that his WrestleMania match was good. I think a lot of people can agree that the finish should have been Sting and not Triple H. We can all agree upon that. I think Sting uh, having uh, a few good matches in WWE was good. I think Sting should have been treated more as a a box office attraction more than having someone to appear every single time, you know, because of, uh, because of, um, I, I, I would say old age, you know, I, would, I wouldn't really say that, but when Sting had his match with Seth Rollins and I saw what happened, I was like, oh shit, and that wasn't good, and I, and I think, I, and I think Seth Rollins understood that he didn't mean to do that, you know, and it's one of these things where, Nobody really thinks about it, and Sting, you know, being the man that he was, you know, he he uh, understood and he he forgave Seth for everything, you know. Sting was inducted in the Hall of Fame, and then several several years later, I believe he his contract expired, and that was it for him. And it was sad because a lot of people wanted to see the one match that everybody wanted to see. That was The Undertaker to take on Sting. That was the one match that I think a lot of people wanted to see. But booking-wise, I mean, how will, even though it sounds good on paper and it would be great for WrestleMania, how would you end the match? Would you have Sting beat beat uh, The Undertaker or would you have The Undertaker beat Sting? I've always felt Sting should have been the one to end the streak. I've always felt it should have been him, you know? Um... But it's going to be one of these matches that remain a mystery, and it will remain a mystery to here on out. Uh, I think Sting and The Undertaker um, known each other. You know, they know each other very, very well. And now we lead to the point where where does Sting go from here? I mean, is he, is he officially retired? Is he really done? I think some people wanted to see Sting wrestle in WWE. They wouldn't allow it. And personally, this is just my opinion, with the way WWE is being structured right now, I wouldn't be surprised if Triple H were to bring Sting back for one more run in WWE <clears throat> and just to have him, you know, you know, finish his career the the right way, the way he should. If if it would if it would happen, but I don't think it will. So now we come to AEW. So the winner is coming event was happening, and the big rumor was Sting was going to be coming. And my thought was, I don't know. I mean, I mean, do you really see Sting coming? And I saw Sting in the ring, in an AEW ring, during the pandemic. Little crowd was there. Cody Rhodes was in the ring. Darby Allin was in the ring. And it was just so amazing seeing Sting in there, face-to-face with Cody and face-to-face with uh, Darby Allin. And I think Sting, and whether he knows this or not, he was in there with two future 
future champions. And you look at Sting, you know, in that ring, and you look across, you see Cody Rhodes and you see Darby Allen, two guys that are going to, you know, make it in this business. Cody, as we know, is over in WWE right now, and Darby Allen was basically, <clears throat> basically someone that Sting guided throughout his career. And it was good because, you know, you look at Darby Allen, you see him, and the first thing that came to my head when I saw Darby Allen was, and this is a no, this is a no disrespect, but it's a compliment. When I say Darby Allen is a fucked up version of Jeff Hardy. And it's a compliment. It's a compliment how you see it because you look at Jeff Hardy, you look at Darby Allen, they're both very similar. Very, very similar when it comes to their matches, when it comes to the depths that they'll go to to do what they can. And, you know, everything that Darby Allen has done, Jeff Hardy has done. But I believe, and this is just my opinion, I think Darby Allen can do it better than Jeff. Well, now, well, now because of the age difference, but it's it's crazy. And Darby has had a tremendous career in in AEW also. And for him to be around Sting throughout this entire time for every match and been undefeated for a while, it's good. So Sting had his first Revolution match. It was a, it was a cinematic match. That had, um, I believe it was Team Taz, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Ricky Starks taking on Sting and Darby Allen, and we saw the end result of that. And since then, Sting has been a part of several matches. He has been against several people in AEW. He's had a few good promos to say the very least, and he's done some very, very crazy high high def maneuvers, which I mean, for a man his age, I mean, this man is 62, 63 years old, and this man is just, just still doing the stuff that he does, you know, in AEW. And it's crazy. I mean, this guy's getting killed, but you know, it's Sting. What do you say? What do you say about that? You know? When Sting announced his retirement... A few months prior to Revolution, I said, oh my God, it's going to happen. It's really going to happen. Sting is going to actually do it. So, when you see Sting have his final match, a lot of people will say, he'll come back. I don't think he will. I don't think he will. Because how I'm looking at Sting's match <coughs> is pretty much like how I see The Undertaker. The Undertaker, who had been a part of the business for so long, when he gave his final match, and it was his final match at WrestleMania with AJ Styles, it was the right move. It was the right call. For him to be inducted in the Hall of Fame was the right move, was the right call. And, and there were a lot of people that criticized and said, you know what, I think Sting needs to have... Oh, I'm sorry, I think The Undertaker needs to have one more match. There should have been something that should have blown the roof off of everything that happened at the, at the Survivor Series. No, my, my thought was, let The Undertaker retire. 
Let him run off into the sunset. Let him take off on his own terms. Let's not have another match. Let's. The Undertaker has done everything he could. He's had a great career in the WWE. He's made WrestleMania one of the greatest matches of all, t- one of the greatest events of all time. He's done everything. And now we need to see him go. We don't need to see another match. We don't need to see him feud with anybody. Because this is his this is his career. This is his life. This is the way he needs to go out. And that's the way The Undertaker should have gone. And I'm glad. He's made a few appearances doing his podcast and, you know, making a few brief appearances in WWE, which is good, you know? And some people have been upset that, oh, well, he's not coming out as The Undertaker. He's coming out as the American Badass and everything. To me, let's let The Undertaker come out as whoever the fuck he wants. The the dead man thing, if he comes out as a dead man, that'd be great too. But just let him be himself. Let him be himself. For Sting, I hope this is really his last match. I really do. And I'm also hoping that the fans will... I think the fans do respect Sting. But I think they need to also remember, we don't want to see Sting in any more matches. Just like The Undertaker, I don't want to see Sting do another match. If this is truly if this is truly his last match, if this is truly it, then we have to show respect for Sting. We have to show respect, respect for Steve Borden and give him his last match. Give him his flowers. Give him whatever he wants. But after that, no more. Let him right off into the sunset. Let him do what he needs to do with his life. Let him decide whether he wants to come back or not. Now, if Sting chooses to make a few brief appearances... Now, I don't know if Sting's contract with AEW is done. I think, if anything, if this is his last match, I don't think his contract expires uh, uh, unless there's something I'm missing. I think Sting... And this is something people haven't thought about yet, was what will happen after Sting's done. But we'll probably discuss that later on. But for Sting to have his last match at the Greensboro Coliseum is perfect. I also heard Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone are going to be calling the match, which is the right move. And all due respect, I really do not want Excalibur talking. I don't think a, I don't think anybody wants Excalibur talking, period. You know? <laughs> All due respect, that dude cannot commentate for fucking shit. And I know some people get offended by it. Who gives a shit? This dude this dude is all about New Japan and all this other stuff. He really needs to keep up with his history. And more importantly, he really needs to tell the fans exactly what the fuck's going on. He does from it. Explain it with more meaning and more importantly. Don't go at 150 degrees or, or miles or whatever the fuck he does. But for Tony Schiavone and for, for JR, I wouldn't mind if you add Ian Riccoboni to there. Just to have someone, two legendary commentators next to a future commentator. I, I like Ian Riccoboni. I, would li- I wouldn't mind if Caprice Coleman was involved too. You know, just to make the announce team a whole Or Kevin Kelly. Or Kevin Kelly. That, to make it more respectful, much better. For Sting to have his last match, I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Sting's last match really needs to be against Darby Allen. 
It really needs to. Because you've been a tag team with this guy. You're currently tag team champions with him. And there is a lot of future with this kid. And he's got a lot of a lot of potential, a lot of stuff. He he can do something with AEW and take it somewhere where it's never been to before. And I think Sting can take him there. And I wanted to see that match because that would make make much more sense and it be much more respect respectable. If it was going to be a tag match, Sting and Darby Allen against FTR, I would love that match even more. It would... <coughs> because a team like FTR that has a lot of respect for tradition, a lot of respect for tag team wrestling, and a lot of respect for professional wrestling, uh, and I agree with this. I, I wouldn't mind seeing FTR taking on, you know, uh, taking on Sting and Darby Allen because it would be perfect. They could they could take the tag team titles off of uh, Sting and Darby Allen, or just let Darby Allen and Sting win and have the tag team titles, and then let. Darby Allen hold on to tag team titles and and have somebody decide his partner for him. However it rolls. I would like that a whole lot better. The Young Bucks being a part of this whole <laughs> being a part of this whole thing. It just Let me um let me kind of explain the whole thing with uh the young bucks real quick. I think the young bucks are a great tag team. I still look at them as generation me from TNA wrestling years ago. They've held many tag team titles in their in their uh, entire career. And when these guys formed AEW, well, to be honest, I mean, they, they may have somehow created AEW, but Tony Khan was the one that fund the whole thing. Actually, to be totally honest, Ring of Honor... Impact Wrestling and other promotions in that particular nature were the ones that pretty much funded the all-in concept. We're pretty much were the ones responsible for AEW existence. I mean, you could say that Kenny Omega and Cody and the Young Bucks had something to do with it. But in the process, Tony Khan was the one that pulled it off. Now, the Young Bucks are a great tag team. They are. I'm not going to you know, deny what they are. But for them to be the ones to face Sting in his final match, it does kind of rub people the wrong way in many, many ways. Because to me, the way the Young Bucks come off, nobody buys them as EVPs. Even if, I mean, yes, they're EVPs in real life, but nobody really buys them because when you look at when you look at the way the Young Bucks are, they present themselves as slimy, as malarkey, as, as they, they're, just, they're just a bunch of kids. And I know some people in the modern day are going to tell me, well, that's how you're supposed to be as a heel. No, that's not how you're supposed to be as a heel. 
How Joe does it is how you're supposed to be a heel. How The Rock does it is how you're supposed to be a heel. MJF is how you're supposed to be a heel. The Young Bucks, they are the Miz, but ten times worse. That's how bad they are. The Young Bucks are responsible for CM Punk being in WWE. I can honestly say that the Young Bucks are also responsible for for Cody Rhodes being in WWE. The Young Bucks don't, you know, nobody in the fan base, especially in AEW, really care about the Young Bucks anymore. You know, I mean, if these two were really committed to the cause, if they were really committed to this whole thing with AEW, there are a lot of problems in AEW. There are. It's <clears throat> It's been well documented by the Wrestling Observer. It's been well documented by several wrestling news sites that you hear. And it's been noted by all the fans. I mean, the Young Bucks and just kind of look into this from this perspective. If the Young Bucks were to win the tag team titles, it would be bad. It would be very bad for them and it would be disrespectful to end an icon like Sting. It would. (laughs) It would in several different ways. But I think if, you know, you know, I really don't have any words to say about this. I mean, the Young Bucks do not deserve to be in a match with Sting. The Young Bucks do not deserve to be in any of these matches, period. They deserve to be hogtied somewhere and be thrown in a fucking garbage can. You know? I mean, that's the truth. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, it's like, it's like this. This match with Sting and Darby Allen taking on the Young Bucks, it, it, no doubt it's the main event. No doubt it is. I mean, you could not have, you cannot have this not be the last match for Sting. And here's how I see it. I'm hoping that Sting and Darby Allen do walk away with those tag team titles. And I'm hoping that Sting's last match was better than how he left WCW. Better than how he left TNA. Better than how he left the WWE. Because when you look at those matches, I think WCW won. Was fitting. It was right. TNA would have been better if if they had a better creative move. Sting's last match in WWE was because of injury, so we can wave that off. Sting's last match, I mean, I'm hoping that it comes off scathe. It's going to be a tornado tag match, so it's going to be anything goes. Something will go down, something will happen. And if the if this ends up Sting winning, then you made the right call. Right move, right circumstances, everything. That's how it should be. 
But if it ends up with the Young Bucks winning, if they're looking at this as, oh, we're getting some heat, we're getting some heat. No, you're not getting any heat. What you're getting is people wanting to get away from AEW because you guys are not booking your shit right. So, obviously, I want Sting to win. Darby Allen wants Sting to win. The fans want Sting to win. And possibly the entire world that have followed Sting's career for a long time want Sting to win. And I hope it happens. I hope it happens. Now, I mentioned earlier what will happen after Sting's last match. Because, you know, nothing's been talked about that, you know, because we don't know if Sting's going to... um, I don't think AEW... I don't think his AEW contract expires yet, unless, unless, uh, unless it is. I mean, because I haven't heard anything about it, but I know that if Sting does have his last match and if his contract does expire at that time well then that's it there's really nothing else for Sting to accomplish in AEW but if if this is Sting's last match and his contract with AEW is somewhere say at the end of the end of the year well then Sting will probably be an authority figure maybe Sting will probably just um You know, he'll probably still be around AEW and will probably, you know, um, you know, will not be in any matches, but will definitely book some matches to help out the company in any way that they can. Because, listen, Sting has been an authority figure before over in TNA, and I think he did a tremendous job. But I think this would be the perfect time for Sting to, to do that, to do that for AEW. Now, I'm not saying it will happen. Because, I, like I said, I don't know the status of his contract. I don't know if he's going to be still with the company after Sting's last match. But I do know that the last match will happen at Revolution tomorrow. Everything will go down tomorrow. So it's, um, it's going to be interesting. I'm hoping that Sting, Sting's last match will be better than when he left WCW, better when he left TNA, and better when he left the WWE. Let's hope AEW doesn't fuck this up. AEW Revolution, Sunday, pay-per-view, Greensboro Coliseum, Greensboro, North Carolina. The Mecca for Jim Crockett Promotions for many, many years. Last year's revolution on March 5th was recently named the Wrestling Observer Newsletter's Show of the Year. AEW is coming off possibly its worst pay-per-view output of all time with World's End, which took place on December 30th. Although, Dave noted in the newsletter this week that the final World's End pay-per-view number was up 7.1% on television from full gear. So that would now indicate an estimate of about 141,000 buys. The odds of AEW doing well on pay-per-view are always plus money 
no matter the card, no matter the build, no matter anything, this show, I believe, will not only be no different, I believe it will do better. I don't have the record in front of me. I don't know if they will set a record for this show, but this show has got more than one match on it, but it might as well just be one for a lot of us olds out here. It is Sting's last match, teaming with Darby Allen to face the Young Bucks in a tornado tag for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. Over 16,000 tickets have been sold for this show. The atmosphere inside of there ought to be something else. On his podcast, Straight Talk with the Boss, that he does with Greg Gagne, Magnum TA announced he'll be in attendance for the show. Ric Flair will be there. Tony Schiavone will be there. Lex Luger will be there. Kevin Nash will not be there. I believe that's where the roll call stands right now. It's my hope that this will be akin to Ric Flair's WWE retirement way back in 2008, where it is just a cavalcade of people and old stars from Ric Flair's past, uh, a past that I'm very familiar with. On December 12th, 1987, in Greensboro, Sting lost a match against Ric Flair for the NWA World Heavyweight title. That match took place about 14 months after Magnum TA uh, was involved in a tragic car accident, which ended his career and changed the trajectory of the NWA and possibly all of pro wrestling. You never know how the butterfly effect works, but the WWF still would have likely won the war. But we never saw a dominant babyface world champion in the NWA during that era to try to put up against Hulk Hogan. And Magnum was supposed to be that guy. In 1987, ended up being a very rough year creatively for Dusty Rhodes. But things began to turn around in 1988. And one of those reasons was because of Sting. On March 27, 1988, he had the classic 45-minute match with Ric Flair on the Clash of the Champions, and the rest was history. One of the most iconic wrestlers in the history of WCW, in fact, the most iconic wrestler in the history of WCW, bar none. There is nobody else, whether you look at that era from 1988, late 88, early 89, after the Jim Crockett sold to Turner, or if you look at it from the actual renaming of the company from WCW in 1991, no matter how you cut it, no matter who you include, whether it's Ric Flair or Hulk Hogan or the NWO or anybody else, Sting is the person most associated with WCW, which for a long time worked against him when it came to his legacy. Thankfully for many of us who grew up with him, who had to hear that he wasn't a Hall of Famer, who had to hear about all of these things that this guy wasn't at the level in our minds he was at. Thankfully, things have worked out the way they have where he is placed on that pedestal. So many great memories for me from throughout Sting's career. One of my very first ones with him, probably the first one with him that really matters, was the Russian flag burial angle of Bill Watts by Eddie Gilbert in the UWF, where Gilbert and the Koloffs and Korsita Korchenko beat up Bill Watts and then laid him out after laying him out, placed a Russian flag, draped it over his prone body, got a lot of heat for that. That was in 1986. 
Sting and the future Ultimate Warrior as the Blade Runners were out on standby as the lookouts on the floor fighting with Steve Williams and Ted DiBiase and Hacksaw Duggan when they tried to come down and save Watts. From there, the team of Sting and Rick Steiner with Eddie Gilbert and Missy Hyatt was great. And I have said it a zillion times in 1989 when it was kind of a loose association with Eddie Gilbert, the Steiners, Missy, and Sting. That was one of my favorite groups ever, even though it was not like an official one in 1989. That was a hell of a team in the NWA. Sting and Flair, as I mentioned at the Clash of Champions, the 1989 feud with Sting and the Great Muda was incredible, you know, there to compliment Ric Flair and, and Terry Funk. Incredible stuff. Sting against the Dangerous Alliance. That gets passed over a lot because of the decline that WCW was going into right before it really, really got low in 93, 94. At least in 1992, you had the Dangerous Alliance in there. That was always good stuff. Rick Rude against Sting. One of Vader's best opponents, Sting. You can't say that, you cannot say that Sting wouldn't get in there. We see him fly around now and, and sacrifice his body in his 60s. That dude would be in there thumping and bumping with the best of them and never would stand down. You never heard about him complaining about somebody hitting him too hard or any of that sort of stuff just a, a hell of great matches with rude and vader right before he went full crow sting uh i believe aew listed this look earlier on this week as transition sting when he was letting the hair grow out a little bit he still had the surfer face paint but he kind of had the the hair was uh was turning more brown and going back to its natural color he had a, a a good little feud with william regal over the tv title that was very very entertaining just one of the again most iconic and enduring and honestly he's one of the last pro wrestling heroes that we have we have so many guys that work heel and obviously at the beginning of his career he worked heel and yeah there were some other times main event mafia or i don't know nwo Wolfpack. even though they were heels they were the popular heels and all that sort of stuff i guess technically he turned dirty but i think in the fans eyes as much of a schmuck as he would be trusting rick flair over and over again my God, the people loved Sting, and it's geeks like me that stood behind him after all these years, and really, one of the last heroic wrestling figures. We see Hangman Adam Page right now going dirty. I never really thought that would happen at the beginning of AEW. I thought he would actually kind of be there, John Wayne, forever, although he's never, never really worked heel before. Now would be a good time to do it when they're all cheering the guy that cut a promo over your baby. I guess it would be the time to turn heel, but Sting... Never really went back to it. And even when he did, people didn't care. They still loved that dude. So I hope, as I mentioned yesterday, it is Sting and Darby Allen who get the victory and they lay those belts down with the Young Bucks then being in a tournament and you can build towards FTR and the Young Bucks. Another thing that you could do, obviously, Young Bucks defeat under... Again, you could bring somebody in. You could have Adam Page if you're going to do an all-heel elite group because Omega's gone. You could do that. You could have Page come out at the end. You know, Virginia guy, this is a guy who grew up on Sting. He causes it. They all try to beat him down afterwards and, and ruin everything. FTR and whoever comes out makes the save. And then that takes you to FTR and to the Young Bucks because with the way that FTR is getting treated right now, I mean, they couldn't be any further down kind of on the uh, on the depth chart the way things are going so 
you know, bring him back up again. A lot of people don't think that they've seen the ultimate Young Bucks FTR match yet. They don't believe they've seen the best feud between the two best teams in the company. They don't think they've really, really gotten that that great of a feud yet. Well, I guess this could be another chance to do it. And again, if you're going to have the Young Bucks go out and beat Sting and and go out and beat Darby Allen, I'd like to see them get some comeuppance for it tonight and then have that continue on and give them some comeuppance as we go along. Three-way for the AEW world title, Samoa Joe against Hangman Adam Page, Swerve Strickland, I want to keep the title on Samoa Joe. I don't know what the prevailing feelings are out there about this match and what people believe. I know a lot of people want to see Swerve Strickland be the champion. I'm not against Swerve Strickland being the champion. I just think, I just don't think we're done with Paige and Swerve quite yet. And I think we need to have a situation because, again, Swerve cut the promo on Wednesday where... I, I, I'm so crazy. I, I beat up an 18 year old at his house. I'm so crazy. I broke into another man's house and cut a promo over his baby and Paige is just standing there like that, that too much dialogue. That should have been the point where he took the crutch and beat him over the head with it. You know, he's a justified healer. Listen to this guy. Listen to, listen to him talk. They didn't decide to go ahead and do that, but I don't think that things are over for them yet. And I think that's okay because I'd like to see Samoa Joe continue on with that championship. International title, Orange Cassidy against Roderick Strong. I don't see a reason that Roderick Strong doesn't win this title. I don't know when MJF is going to come back. Obviously, Adam Cole is going to be out for quite some time. The Devil storyline was a complete wet burst of wind, I, I guess you could say, trying to be nice about it here and, and not violate any FCC rules over what I really thought about that whole situation and that whole feud. But Cassidy's won the title twice. He's had a zillion matches. I don't think he needs the title. I think Roderick Strong right now could use that title a lot more. And frankly, for his image and what type of character that he's been playing it's probably time now to again really make a hard turn for this dude to stop screaming in his promos and being kind of a putz and just going back to being maybe a little bit more of a wrestling machine turning it down a little bit when it comes to you know trying to get across his personality and letting some of the wrestling do some of that talking and him with that international title with Bennett and Taven on the outside always providing some assistance I think it's probably time for that. I don't think it's time for a title change when it comes to Tony Storm and Deanna Perrazzo. And I would say that it could have been if this feud was hotter. And unfortunately, it's not. And I like Deanna Perrazzo a lot. And I think if she had something hot going, you could have Perrazzo get a win over Storm here, banana peel or whatever, get the victory. And then you do something else with her as you wait for the inevitable. But since it didn't end up happening, I would just go ahead and wait for the inevitable, which is March 14th when Mercedes Monet debuts at Big Business in Boston. Tony Storm and Mercedes Monet seems to make the most sense on paper, especially because what you got going on with the other title when it comes to Willow and Chris Statlander and uh, uh, Julia Hart and uh, what's her name? Sky Blue. You know, the, that situation with that title is all tied up right now. So Tony Storm and Mercedes Monet, and 
We'll see how that goes, because <laughs> again, Tony Storm as a gimmick has been great. Tony Storm in execution when it comes to some of these matches as champion, and in this character, uh, kind of hasn't been. Continental Classic Championship, I see a title change here. Brian Danielson getting the win over Eddie Kingston. Kanoste Takeshita, I believe, gets the win over Will Ospreay. It's just a matter of how that ends up going down and how it happens. I think we still have a long way to go as far as Osprey getting kicked out of the Cows family. TNT title, Christian Cage, I think, will defeat Daniel Garcia. And I believe in the FTR, the FTR, I believe FTR is going to defeat Claudio and John Moxley. And I believe that Wardlow will walk out of the eight man all-star scramble match as the victor
What's going on? Furman Torres here for the Main Event Talk Podcast. And as you know, this episode and any episode that I do is sponsored by my good friends at Rich's Billiards over at 5815 Weber here in Corpus Christi, Texas. If you feel a need to go out and shoot some pool, have yourself a good time, jam out to some music and hang out with some friends, well, Rich's Billiards is definitely the place for you. And if you want something good to eat, Pinkies is definitely the place for you. You can go there, you can have their hot dogs, you can have their hamburgers, you can have their wings, and the main event definitely recommends the wings, especially when it comes to Pinkies. They make it as good as anybody, and not to mention the fact that their chili dogs and their hot dogs are extremely, extremely good to eat. Get a chance to eat it over at Pinkies. And if you go there, tell them that the main event talk sent you to Pinkies over here at Rich's Billiards, 5815 Weber. Not your average heroes, the Barma Bars and the Billiards Among Billiards. You can come in anytime you want, Monday through Sunday, and check it out every single chance you get. And if you want to check out some boxing, UFC, or even WWE, Rich's Billiards will definitely be the place to go to check out all those events and much, much more. And there's going to be several live events that will happen at Rich's Billiards in the next coming weeks. And be ready, because the Main Event Talk podcast will cover anything that you need to know about Rich's Billiards. I am the Main Event player, the Super Sea Kid himself, and I approve this message. This episode of the Main Event Talk podcast is brought to you by Rich's Billiards, 5815 Weber. Not your average heroes, the Barman Bars, and the Billiards Among Billiards. And also sponsored by the Tony Gomez Show, who are the master of your own destiny. Check out the Tony Gomez Show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever it is you find your favorite podcast. You can also check them out live as it happens on YouTube and on Facebook. If you guys have any questions in regards to the show, all you have to do is go to my email address at themainevent1977 at gmail.com. That's themainevent1977 at gmail.com. Any suggestions in regards to the show, anything in regards to anything about professional wrestling or music or anything that you have in mind, all you got to do is go to the email address at themainevent1977 at gmail.com and I will be glad to mention it on the next episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast. Okay, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of this episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast and holy shit, did we have a lot uh, we had to do and I, I and I got to apologize for uh, sounding a bit winded from the very beginning because, you know, when I was trying to put this episode together, I couldn't really, I was trying to fathom how much I was going to try and put in this episode, you know, everything from talking about Elimination Chamber, talking about TNA's uh, No Surrender pay-per-view event, of course, Hard Times is happening tonight, and of course, tomorrow night will be Sting's final match in AEW, AEW Revolution to happen tomorrow night live on pay-per-view. I know that the world's going to be watching it. I know that there's going to be a lot of people anticipating to see exactly how Sting's final match is going to be. I'm hoping that it is respectable. I'm hoping it'll be to what Sting wants, and I'm hoping that the fans will not only appreciate what Sting has done, but also respect the fact that this is indeed his last match. And also remember, guys, I mean, and and we also have to remember as wrestling fans, 
when someone like a Sting or an Undertaker or a Hulk Hogan or a Ric Flair or someone from that era chooses to take that step back to the point where it's time to retire, it's time to retire and let it be. Don't don't ask for oh this should this should be better because you know he should have came out or or so and so should have came out or something should you know none of that shit. Let it end. Just just like what happened with the Undertaker, you know the way his um, speech was, uh, the way he ended his last match with AJ Styles, and the way he ended his uh, run with WWE, especially when. Um, when you had the 30 years of The Undertaker at Survivor Series, just let it be. Let let him retire. Let him go off into the sunset. Let Sting go off into the sunset the way he wants to. And, you know, I'm hoping the results will be just right and it'll be everything that we expect and more. Check out AEW Revolution tomorrow as it happens on pay-per-view. Of course, the countdown show will be happening on YouTube and on Facebook and everywhere you see it, it's going to be amazing. And, of course, uh, you guys know that the WrestleMania report was already in earlier today. And we've got a lot more WrestleMania report. We know that The Rock had some stuff he wanted to say. But we're going to save that for next week. We're going to save that. You know, we're going to talk about Revolution next week. We're going to talk about another WrestleMania report. We're going to be talking about several things that will happen at WrestleMania. And much, much more all around the world in the world of professional wrestling. As always, follow the main event on... Okay, I'm going to try this. Follow the main event on X at x.com slash at main event player. You can also follow me on Instagram at instagram.com slash at main event player. And if you want to friend request me, proceed at your own fucking risk. And this episode is sponsored by my good friends at Rich's Billiards, 5815 Weber. Not your average heroes. The bottom of bars and the billiards among billiards. Uh, I was there just yesterday having a few beers and stuff. I may be there during spring break. When, uh, spring break is coming up, by the way, since we're in the middle of March. Well, not in the middle of March. We're just starting March. I'm sorry. Everything else like that. And also, this uh, show is sponsored by my good friend, from, uh, Tony Gomez from the Tony Gomez Show. You are the master of your own destiny. Check out his show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever it is you find your favorite podcast. And also check out several of his episodes live on Facebook and on YouTube as they happen as well. Uh, we don't know currently what Tony Gomez is doing. Of course, we know that he does uh, one of the um, the sound beats or beat sounds, whatever he does, you know, to keep us a form of all the local scenes happening in Corpus Christi and the Force, all the show this all the shows that he's doing and everything else like that. There's uh, supposed to be a lot of shows happening in March, so it's going to be extremely interesting to check that out. Check out the Tony Gomez Show as it happens once again on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever it is you find your favorite podcast, and you can also check it out on YouTube as well. And you can also subscribe uh, to... You can also like uh, the Tony Gomez Show on Facebook and also on Instagram. Check it out while you can. And don't forget, once again, guys, check out AEW Revolution. Sting's final match to happen tomorrow night live on pay-per-view. And, of course, several other matches, including the AEW World Championship, will be on the line, I believe. Let's see. The Women's Championship will also be on the line. Several other matches will be included. 
we uh, there's a total of ten matches that are going to happen at the Revolution pay per view, and no doubt there'll probably be more added and everything else like that. And also, and also forgot to mention this: uh, expect some surprises to happen at Revolution. I've been hearing a lot of stuff about. Okada showing up. He might show up at uh, AEW Dynamite. Who knows? Oh, and also, I believe Collision is happening tonight as well, so get a chance to check out the final Collision before we get to AEW Revolution. That's all going to happen tomorrow night. Well, Collision is going to happen tonight, but AEW Revolution, that's going to happen tomorrow night. It's going to be Sting's final hurrah over at the Greensboro Coliseum. And like I said, uh, I'm hoping that his final match will be treated with respect in every way, shape, or form. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next week, and we will recap everything that took place at AEW Revolution, and of course, the WrestleMania Report, and much, much more in the next episode of the Main Event Talk Podcast. Why? Because I can, and I want to. Any questions? Enough said. And to Sting... I've been a fan of yours for a very, very long time. And to say that I'm glad to see your final match will be tremendous for all of us. As wrestling fans, we have um, loved and respect the things that you have done, whether you were in WCW, whether you were in TNA, or even the WWE. You managed to accomplish all those things. And I wish you would have had a better run in WWE. And I think a lot of us feel that you should have had a better run in WWE. But if this is indeed truly your last match, then all I can say to you, Sting, is thank you. Thank you for your contributions to professional wrestling. Thank you for all of the memories that you've had. All the great matches that you've had over the years. You know, thank you for the impact that you've made on a lot of wrestling fans' careers. A lot of wrestling fans' lives also. You know, I still remember that one time, I think it was in WCW, when you were in the ring and you were in there with, I believe, a mother and her two children. And I believe one of those kids had mentioned to you, I believe, that he you saved his life. And it it was uh one of those touching moments that you know that you brought to professional wrestling. And and you know, I've always been someone that I'm not always godlike and I not saying that I be- that I don't believe in God. I do believe in God. I'm just one of those individuals that like to keep things real cool and real respectful in every way possible. You, you've had a way of impacting people's lives and helping them out every single way, whether it's in or outside of professional wrestling. But tomorrow night, it's all about you. It's all about your career your life, and where it goes. The entire world is going to be watching. And it's not just AEW. It's not just the wrestling fans. The WWE, they'll be watching. TNA, they'll be watching. MLW, they'll be watching. Every wrestling promotion 
all over the world. New Japan Pro Wrestling, Australia, England, Mexico, everyone. Everyone is going to be a part and check out and see. See Sting for the very last time. And the only thing that will happen at the end of this whole thing is when we hear the crowd chanting, Thank you, Sting. 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 This is the legend. This is the icon. This is Sting. The revolution will be the end of the career for the icon Sting. All the years traveling up and down the road. It's the camaraderie on the road with the guys. It is the roar of you, the fans.
But one thing that I do know, everything that I have left in me, 